Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all the separation, do we end up bringing people together again? And what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behaviour and patterns of behaviour? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. Happy Friday, everybody. And for some of us, it's happy start to the school holidays. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio. And I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, speaker, author, mom of three, human design and business coach, super connector, truth speaker, and well-being warrior. There's some exciting things happening at the moment. And one in particular happening over the past few days is the Wake Up and Change World Global Summit, which is an online event, and two of our previous guests have been participating in that. The amazing Sally Maybell and Kim Knight, congratulations for being part of that. And um, we have received a ton of feedback from last week's episode. If you didn't listen to it, we had three interviews, which we normally do, and one of them on a topic that we knew was going to... um, It's a bit of a milestone, in fact, and we're quite proud at Reality Check Radio. We had our weekly meeting and really we're proud that we were the first uh, media here in New Zealand to actually say yes to interviewing Gloria Masters on the topic of child sex trafficking and really broaching that topic. So we have received some great feedback from people, and I'm going to share some of that with you now. Thank you so much. We've got Karen writing in, thank you, capital letters, for having Gloria on today. This is such a huge discussion that is well overdue. What a powerful show. And like you said, most will say in response, if it was true, it would be on the news. Well, it actually is true. Uh, We need to save and support the children and survivors. Thank you, Karen. Well, thank you, Karen, for writing in. Thank you, everyone else also who had the courage and inclination to listen to that episode, which was actually... As strange as it sounds, quite a beautiful interview, despite the very um, emotional topic. And she kept it positive and hopeful. And that's what we want to do. We want to shine the light on that so we can change the way things are. Thank you um, to Louise for writing in. Thank you to the lovely lady who spoke on her subject of child sex trafficking. It was extremely sad to listen to, but compelling. 
I'm fortunate that I didn't happen to me, but it made me think about my childhood with an alcoholic household where family violence was common. The ideology of giving back the hurt and pain really resonated with me. Thank you for saying what you did, Natalie, and to the dear lady, Gloria, who you interviewed. God bless. Thank you, Louise, for sending that message in. And finally, we, of course, got many, many more, but I'm just going to share a few with you. Thank you to Jeff for writing in. Thank you, Natalie, for your interview with Gloria Masters. I was in tears at times. I am 65, and I was sexually abused as a child. It has taken me my whole life up to now to feel comfortable with who I am today. She is absolutely right. This needs to be out there for all to see. Wow. The impact, the ripple effect of that interview, I'm actually really proud of and excited about to turn things around. There, You might have heard the movie Cages came out last week. Um, Lewis Herms was part of that, so you can look that up. Um, I'm probably going to watch that over the school holidays. And also the Freedom movie, which is coming out. I think this is the one Mel Gibson was part of. Now we are trying, my beautiful friend Claire and also Lada, shout out to you. They are trying to arrange to get that screened in a movie theater here in Auckland. And we just need to get 40 people to say they're keen to come along, which I don't think will be hard. So if you are keen to come along, possibly just message me, might be easiest, um, on Facebook, Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. You can send me a message if you're, if you're in Auckland or you're going to be in Auckland. We don't have a date. We don't have a time. We just need 40 people who are keen to come along um, so we can kind of get the ball, rolling, the ball rolling on that. And that will, again, just open up more people to the reality of what's been happening so we can change the path. So for the end of June and the start of July, I've chosen the topic this week, which is empowered living. And I've got three amazing guests coming up for you. We're going to start off with Karen Tui Boys, and she's going to be speaking about the school system and how it's broken and how to fix it. Then I'm chatting about money with Jonathan Callanan. We're talking about decentralized wealth and sovereignty. And wrapping up the show today, Marie McManaway talking about getting the green light on your life. I also will be doing, as I often do, a flashback. Um, Sonia Cortez had an amazing interview. So we've got a few minutes um, audio clip from her interview, which is very aligned with Empowered Living. And then I'm going to give you a little sneak peek. I've got an episode coming up either next week or the week after called um, Empowering Men. And I talked to Jack Henderson. He was amazing. A 20-year-old guy who started a podcast in his last year of high school when the whole lockdown thing was happening. And he's just been helping so many people, inspiring so many people since then. It's called um, Jono's Hot Topics Podcast. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit of um, our discussion on what, what he wishes that women would know about how to empower the men in their lives. So that's pretty interesting. And that's coming up. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, here on Reality Check Radio. And I'm so thrilled to introduce my next guest, longtime friend, fellow speaker, fellow author, the amazing Karen Tui boys Welcome to the show, Karen. Hi, I'm excited to be here, Nat. I'm so excited to interview you. I know you, you've got masses of experience interviewing people, running summits, 
doing all the things. But today we're going in a slightly different direction. We were we're going to be talking with Karen today about the school system is broken and how to fix it. If you haven't met Karen before, Karen Tui Boys is a champion for lifelong learning and she's on a mission to transform education globally. Described as an educational alchemist, a conscious creator, and a playful priestess, she turns research into practical strategies which positively impact teaching and learning. A multi-award winning speaker, educator, and businesswoman, Karen is an expert in effective teaching, learning, study skills, motivation, and positive thinking. She is the CEO of Spectrum Education, principal of Spectrum Online Academy, and the author of 11, are you kidding me, 11 books. She loves empowering teachers, parents, and students, and is the wife to one and the mother to two young adults. Karen is named the Global Evolutionary Woman of the Year for 2022. It is an absolute honor. Welcome, Karen. Oh, my pleasure. Yay. So excited to have you here. And I mean... You know, there's so many topics we could talk about, but I know this one is so close to your heart at the moment. I know you guys can't see Karen. We are both wearing purple today. She has a necklace with a heart on it. And so before we dive into how the school system is broken and what that looks like, what we're going to do about it, can you give us a little bit of backstory on you? Like just what is, where did you get to this point where you're helping families um, in the education space? Mm. Uh, so, Kiora, uh, everyone, and yes, um, I have been blessed my whole entire life to know my purpose on this planet was to teach. And so I don't know, there was nothing earth shattering that happened. I didn't have an amazing teacher as a child. I just knew I was here to be a teacher. So I did what every child would do. I got all the way through school. I went off to teachers college and university and I went and taught in the classroom environment. And I loved teaching. It was truly my passion. And very quickly, though, I started to realize that things weren't right. I watched children at the age of five coming into our school system with that light in their eyes, their zest for learning, that uh, um, curiosity. And I started to see it die. And I wanted to know why. Why is this uh, love of learning dying? What are we doing in the school system that's killing the very thing that we should be promoting? So I left teaching, it's a staggering 29 years ago, to make a bigger difference because I realized I could make a bigger difference outside the classroom than I could within the classroom because I could affect my 36 six-year-olds is what I was teaching at the time, 27 of them were boys. So if any of the listeners have been an educator, you'll know uh, there'll be a cringe because boys are definitely more time demanding (laughs) on a teacher than the girls are. So my nine lovely girls, my 27 boys. uh, So I could make a bigger difference outside because if I could work with teachers, if I could work with parents, uh, which was my initial goal, uh, then I could have them affecting so many more students, so many more people. And so that's what I've been doing uh, for the last uh, 20, uh, 29 years. Well, congratulations on knowing your purpose. I know that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, Some people don't think about it. Some people think about it a lot. And the fact that you knew your path and you also had the courage to step out of what was, you're like, this doesn't feel like I'm I'm having enough impact. And so you were able to amplify, as I like to say, amplify your impact by helping the teachers and empowering them and the principals. That's amazing. Um, but obviously in the last three years, how have, so how have things changed from your perspective? I know you've been out of the actual teaching scene for a while, but 
What have you noticed in the last three years in terms of the education system and schooling? Um, well, uh, in the last three years, uh, it's been challenging. It's been tough. And what uh, really piqued my interest around learning was that uh, there were four types of learners uh, that we discovered during uh, lockdowns because, of course, everybody had to transfer to uh online teaching. Now, I always smile when uh, teachers went, I just don't know how to engage them online. And I went, that's because you can't engage them offline. (laughs) Um, So, you know, think about uh, some of the teachers you had, they weren't inspiring in person, so they can't be inspiring uh, uh, online. But the four types of students that I've noticed in the last four years, they were the ones that sorry, last three years, during lockdown, the ones that teachers thought would engage and did engage, the ones that teachers thought would engage but didn't engage, the ones that they thought wouldn't engage and didn't engage, and then the ones that I'm really interested in is the ones that they didn't think would engage but did. Now, these children really fascinate me because they weren't doing well in a school system uh, for many different reasons, yet suddenly uh, they went did really well uh, from home and uh, just, uh, I guess, um, surprised many, many teachers that these kids did really well. But here's the problem. They've gone back into the school system. So they've gone back into the system that wasn't working for them. And uh, there's a huge amount of students that are still in that school system that it still isn't working for. So to answer your question, what's changed for me in the last three years, is just before COVID hit, in fact, in January, we had already decided to transition our business online. So uh, we had been running face-to-face conferences uh, in New Zealand and Australia for teachers and parents and students, and we decided uh, to be able to transition them online in January. So when COVID hit, we were already ready to be online. So plus I'd had the experience in 19, no, not 19, 2016 uh, of working in a school system in New Zealand that is completely online. So I uh, had all that knowledge and was able to transfer that pivot, pirouette was the words, wasn't it, Uh, very quickly. However, um, what I also saw in uh, late 2021 was when the mandates came in, I saw a lot of teachers choosing uh, not to uh, go down the path that they were um, being asked to go down. And I realized there were lots of parents who also didn't want their children in the school system. So what I did at that point in time was I went, I held a public meeting and I went, how can we uh, link the mandated teachers with uh, parents who don't want their students in the school system. And so we started our own online school. I love that. I love that you're a match la- matchmaker like I am. You're like, how can we link these people that have a need with these people that have a skill yeah. and a service to offer? Um, that's so great. And how? what was the response? Uh, huge. Absolutely huge. And uh, there were several online schools that uh, started at the same time. And uh, there's only a couple of us still going. And uh, parents are just delighted. Kids are delighted. We are having incredible results. Uh, And for me, it's been an amazing affirmation of what I've been teaching in the last 29 years all around the world uh, as a keynote speaker, being able to put it into practice and actually seeing it in action has been incredible. 
the, can I just say this too, Natalie? The yeah, other go ahead. Really changed for me in those three years. Prior to COVID, I had worked in 22 different countries uh, physically. Um, I used to travel on planes all the time. Uh, and as you can imagine, <laughs> uh, on average, uh, two planes a week. And uh, now, now during COVID, I've now worked in 41 different countries. Who knew mm. I could have a bigger impact from home wearing my slippers? And I'm actually wearing my slippers right now. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so a bigger impact over these last two years. So for me, COVID has been a bit of a gift. Um, to be able to use the skills that um, I had, being able to match people together and uh, create something that was going to be fit for purpose for people who needed it. Yeah. And there's a ton of people that the traditional school system doesn't work for. And this isn't new. Like this is people our age and, and, and older that they went through the school system. They're like, it did not serve me. And now that people have more choices than ever before um, is amazing. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I would love if at some point in the interview, can you share one to two activities that you do with your students that, that, that really are amazing? Like something that you do with them and the, you're always astounded by what they come up with or something like that. Really? Yeah, I will. Okay. Later. <laughs> later. I'll ask you that. And I'll ask you that later on. And if I forget, please try to mention it. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about the school system then. So your view and many other people's view as well, is that the school system is broken. So what do you mean by broken? And then we're going to get into the old how to fix it. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to the 1800s. We're going to go for a history lesson, and then we're going to go for a future lesson. <laughs> so if we go back to the 1800s, mass education was set up to create employees. It was also set up to keep a class structure. We needed the haves and the have-nots. It was created to uh, make sure that people uh, could but were taught that they were smart or they were not smart. Now we know this because uh, in England and in countries that use the same model, including New Zealand, uh, and in New Zealand there is a document in 1907 that said, let's have a exam system. So that's how we can tell if people are smart or not. And we will teach them that 50% uh, of them will fail and 50% will pass. And so what that means is we are going to actively teach 50% of them they're not good enough, mm -hmm. that they uh, can't do the inf uh, you know the job, that they're not smart. Um, and of course, they use reading, writing, and maths as the three uh, main subjects to be able to test this. And by the way, if we quickly flick into the present, uh, our education system in New Zealand is still the same. I know NCA doesn't say that they fail 50% and they pass 50%. It's actually about 55% that pass and 45% that fail. It hasn't changed much. So it's still a system that is uh, graded to make sure so many pass and so many fail because you can't have everybody passing. In fact, when I was at university, Adrian Alton Lee was my, uh, 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 my, what do you call them? Um, lecturer, <laughs> my lecturer. And uh, she got fired because she uh, um, told everybody how to get an A and everybody in class got an A and she was fired because you can't have everybody getting an A. It wasn't okay. And she said, but to get a C, you had to do this, to get an B, you had to do this, to get an A, you had to do this. And she was fired because everyone got A's. Um, so uh, our, it's a little different now, but not much. 
Not much. Um, so uh, can I, can I, I got to jump in because there'll yeah. be some people listening as per all of my interviews, I imagine some people listening, nodding their head profusely going, yep, mm-hmm, that's so that's what's happening. That's what's always happened. There'll be other people going, huh? Like, you know, raising an eyebrow going, huh? I never really thought about it, but actually that does. And then there'll be other people with resistance going, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. They wouldn't do that. Uh, you know, and then those emotions come up for pretty much every topic I cover. Um, so yeah, carry on. I just want to acknowledge that and now we'll move on. Absolutely. <laughs> So you can go in, uh, into the public files and have a look. 1907, our government actually says we want to fail 50% of them, and they actually state why. So you ready why? Basically, and I'm going to uh, use my own language, but basically it says let's teach them they're dumb, let's teach them they're stupid, and they'll go and work where? Where do you think they wanted them to work in 1907? In the factories. Country. Not factories in this country. In factories in England, yes. But in New Zealand, on the farms, because our most, uh, 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 that's where our money came from in the early 1900s in this country. It was farming, still does. Now farming is a very different beast, right? Uh, you need a degree uh, in accounting. You need a degree in statistics. You need, <laughs> you need a lot uh, to be a great farmer right now. But back in 1907, so we're over 100 years ago, they wanted people to be on the farms. So they actively sought to teach people that they weren't smart. And uh, I know, and it feels really like... Uh, uh, confronting. And I, um, one of uh, New Zealand's top speakers, when she heard me say this many years ago, she came up to me afterwards and she went, so I'm not dumb. She said, I failed school cert and I thought I was dumb. I'm like, no, 50% had to fail. You were just in that second half. Uh, you are not dumb. And she said, for my whole entire life, I thought I was dumb. I'm like, no, you're not. It was the system letting you down. Uh, because if everybody knew the answers to every single question, still 50% would have to fail. And so, again, it's not quite 50%, but it's around about that mark now. That so, will be a shoulder drop moment, by the way, for some people listening, just hearing what you just said. Wait yes. a minute. And they'll be thinking, wait a minute. My whole life, I've thought I was done. And like some people might even shed a tear just listening to that. So I wanted to honor those people. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, NASA did a study in 1994, and their study was, uh, well, they actually looked at their, they said, how can we get more astronauts? We need more good quality astronauts, or I don't suppose you get a bad quality astronaut, um, but we need more astronauts. And so what they did is they went, they came up with a test to be able to find out what skills, what strategies, what um, like great things did astronauts have that they were looking for. And it was creative and divergent thinking is what they wanted. So what they did is they went all the way back and they went, where, where do we notice these? So they interviewed hundreds of thousands of five-year-olds and uh, gave them a test to find out if they were creative and divergent thinkers. Now, I'm going to ask you, Nat, I'm going to put you on the spot and the listeners uh, think about your own answer. But what percentage of four and five-year-olds do you think NASA found were creative and divergent thinkers? Like 90. 90? I yeah. wonder what people are saying at home. Well, uh, the answer was 98%. I know. Nearly all of our four and five-year-olds are creative geniuses, creative divergent thinkers. Now, what do you think that dropped down to when they were 10 years old? Mm, yeah, like probably 50. 50? I'm going to tell you in a minute. Uh, what do you think it is in adulthood? 
It'll be tragic. It'll be like 30. <laughs> 30. All right. Well, this is interesting. So 98% of our four and five-year-olds are creative divergent thinkers. Of our 10-year-olds, 30%. Of our 15-year-olds, 12%. Hmm. Of our adults, 2%. That is shocking, right? Something yeah. happens between five and adulthood. It's a six-letter word called school. Because school does not treat us as geniuses. It does not nurture the genius capacity within us. It uh, makes us uh, scared to be able to um, make a mistake, which is how we truly learn. And it des was designed originally to be able to create employees because that's what we needed, employees in our factories. Now, let's go to the future for a moment. Uh, beginning of this century, uh, we're in the beginning of the third millennium. I just want you to place yourself in the history of the world right now. We're in the middle of the uh, beginning of the third millennium. And at the beginning of this millennium, uh, futurists said by 2030, two billion jobs would be gone from this planet. They also said by 2030 uh, that 60% of the jobs that our kids would be going into hadn't been invented yet. And they also said that, uh, and this is the stunning statistic that blows my mind, 40% of our five-year-olds will have to be self-employed to have any form of income. Now, I want you to go back. School was set up to create employees. Do as you're told, don't ask questions, turn up on time, don't rock the boat, do the work to a certain standard and clock out at the end of the day. That's a general mindset of a employee. And by the way, there is nothing wrong with being an employee, right? So I'm not saying there's anything bad with this, but that is the mindset that school is uh, uh, cultivating. Uh, now, Let's go to our self-employed. If you are self-employed, you need a very different skills. Nobody knows if you turn up. Nobody knows if you're doing the work. Nobody knows, well, the client is going to know the quality of the work. You have to market the work. You have to uh, ring the clients. You have to get uh, do the invoicing. You have to do everything. You have to be multi-skilled. And here's one of the fundamental problems. In our classrooms right now, teachers are still marking the role at year 13 every hour to see if they're there. Uh, no one's going to mark the role when they're in university. No one's going to mark the role when they are um, out of school and self-employed. They have to learn these skills at some point, but we're still creating employees. Now, here's the other stunning part. I believe it was the co-founder of Amazon or one of those big companies who has said that COVID has shifted that timeline right down. It was 2030. It's now, now, 40% of our kids are going to have to be self-employed to have any form of income. We need a whole different system to create self-employment. I agree. And I mean, you're listing off all those attributes. I'm the only one in my family and even my extended family, I think that is a entrepreneurial, you know, like that run, works for themselves, runs their own business. It is a totally different skill set. And it's not a set. It's a set of multiple skills. Like you said, many, many hats. And I feel like you're right. The kids start with those skills, but then they, they kind of get quashed. Mm -hmm. They absolutely do. Uh, because again, they're scared of making mistakes in school. What they praised for See, what we praise kids for is getting the work done. 
what we need to be praising them for is the effort they put in. And there's a big difference between effort and completion. And, uh, and you know, if you look around uh, many classroom walls, everything on the wall is perfect. So what does that tell kids? That if you're not perfect, you're not good enough. And so there's all of these subconscious messages that are being um, given to our children about who they are, what they should be valuing, and uh, maybe that they're not good enough. And your belief is that they're all geniuses. I think one of the things you say is our children are geniuses. So tell me more about that. They are absolute geniuses. They, and I mean, NASA has uh, said that. Uh, they, um, well, let me give you an example. Um, the, just this morning when we're recording this, my class that I teach every week um, did, they've been doing a photography unit for the last um the last three weeks. And so they've learned everything about photography. They've been going out and doing photography. And today they had an exhibition and it was the most stunning thing already out of that. And I can say it was three hours ago from when we are recording this already from that. I have one child whose uh, photographs were so incredible that she's already contacting someone to have an exhibition in their cafe uh, and they're good enough to sell. Uh, genius. She didn't even know that she had uh, any skills with photography. I have another one who wrote such a compelling, funny story around what he has done. He actually is in Auckland and he took a vacuum cleaner, um, wrote the story about the vacuum cleaner being sad, being in the dark closet and wanted to take the vacuum cleaner, wanted some adventure. So he actually took his vacuum cleaner around Auckland and photographed it up one tree hill um, to Sylvia Park in the middle of the shopping centre. There's this photograph of this vacuum cleaner. Uh, (laughs) He took it to the beach. Uh, The vacuum cleaner was naughty at one stage and got put in a wheelie bin. He took it to the playground. Uh, You know, but this is genius. This is divergent thinking that this kid has come up with. And I don't think we have laughed so much side-splitting stuff as he took us through his exhibition today. Uh, And that's just a tiny snippet of what I see every single day from these kids, whether they um, love um, hunting and fishing, whether they love cars, whether they love ballet and uh, uh, dyeing hair different colours. they have these genius within them. And uh, in a mass classroom, we can't access that because we are uh, teachers are uh, strung by uh, having to do what the government has asked them to do and the curriculum that they are doing and um, with so many children in their classroom often. I was just thinking that they're, they're essentially corralling you know, between the corralling they're doing and the curriculum they need to adhere to, there's not a lot of time for kids to be able to express themselves and try different things. They just have to kind of get in line and be quiet. Yeah. Um, and and that's, think about what we were taught when we were school, uh, sit still and be quiet. Um, two, two skills that you cannot do as an entrepreneur You cannot be quiet as an entrepreneur. You have to be able to shout from the rooftops about what you're doing and why the benefits of it and why people should buy from you. And you cannot sit still and just wait for the business to come to you, right? Um, I do this. uh, I often speak at prize givings at the end of a school year. And I love this because you've got the entire community there. And I usually hold up a 
uh, $20 or $50 note, depending on what I have at the time. Uh, and I hold it up and I say, who wants it? And I can ask that question six, seven, eight, ten times. And what happens is when I'm saying who wants it, everyone raises their hand, pick me, pick me, pick me. And they're all shouting, pick me, pick me. But that doesn't work in, in the real world, right? You actually have to get up and move forward, take a risk, <laughs> and take that $20, $50 note. And they don't know if I'm going to make them do something silly. They're not gonna, they don't know if I'm going to go, oh, you can't really have it now. I give it to them and ask them to um, use it to make a difference in the world. Uh, but they don't know that, right? And so, but we they've been taught to sit still and just raise your hand and wait your turn. If you wait your turn, you're going to miss out. I love it. So does eventually, does one of the kids come up and grab it? Is that what yes, happens? Or, or, or do you get... 10 kids clobbering you at the front oh, of the usually, usually one kid gets up and starts to move, which gives the others the uh, the confidence to get up. And unfortunately, here's what happens. That one who got up first and started to move uh, gets overtaken by the ones who see, see what's happening and go, I can get there faster. <laughs> and so, so even being the early adopter and not going fast enough can actually not be a useful thing. Such yeah, a great lesson. Someone gets it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great lesson. Um, if you're ready, I would love for you to share some examples. I mean, I love the example of the photography. Um, my boy is actually doing photography right now, year 10, and, and that's that's awesome for him. Um, but it'd be so great if they could do it younger, right? So give us some examples of one to two activities that you've done with, with the kids at your school um, that you think have really showcased that kids are really are geniuses. There's so many. Last year, we did a entrepreneurial unit because we are very strong on making sure kids understand how money works and how the world works. And they had to uh, go through a design process and come up with a... Um, product. And Nat, you were actually one of the um, uh, the dragons at the Dragon's Den. We actually held a Dragon's Den and the children actually presented their ideas. And they were incredible. They, uh, you know, just the ideas and one of the dragons, uh, the other dragons was like, I actually want to invest in that. <laughs> Um, and it wasn't something that was the kids were going to take further. Uh, but this year, uh, this year we um, did a design process on games, and all the students have designed a game. And uh, three of my students are actually now heading towards crowdfunding those games uh, because, again, they are incredible. So we do things like that. We do we do school very differently. We do a three week deep dive. So we get to do three weeks on one topic. And so it might be chemistry in the kitchen. So we are uh, cooking for three weeks and learning about the chemistry of food and what's actually going on when uh, things go brown and uh, why things rise and all that sort of thing. Or it might be Sometimes we do a one-week topic, uh, like uh, we did one last year where the kids were typing, learning to type. I don't know about the listeners, but I had the choice in school to do French or typing. That's the, That was the choice I had. And I remember saying, because I'm old, uh, I remember saying, I never need to type. I'm not going to be a secretary. I'll learn French. Now, I can tell you after three years of French, I've been to France once. I tried to speak French. It was so bad that the French people spoke English directly back to me. Um, I'd heard that French are arrogant. It's not my experience at all. I tried very badly. But the point is, 
I never learned to type because I still do have the two fingers, but our kids learned to touch type in one week. Uh, and um, so we do, we cover the curriculum, uh, we do Healthy Happy Me, and they learn about exercise and how to eat well, and uh, and, uh, and then they do experience exploration where they can uh, learn anything one of our students learned the ukulele and still and still practices every single day so you know we just um, these kids are geniuses and we give them license and scope and choice to go wherever they want with their learning within a frame that we've given them but they can go outside that frame so easily I think you know it's amazing for the kids that are at that school. And, but I think that the lesson that we can take from the, some of the parents out there listening is just a reminder to create those fun opportunities for your kids wherever they go to school to and allow them to follow the fire, meaning like whatever lights them up, whatever excites them, you know, if they want to go and explore you know, there's like the river down, down the, around the corner. Um, you know, obviously you need to be safe, but just, or if they want to try chemistry in the kitchen, because some parents would be like, no, no, don't make a mess. You know? So it's like, let's let them do, remember when they were young and they wanted to suddenly get out the paints and paint all over the show. And I would be like, sure, no problem. I'm, I was that mom that just let them do stuff. But I think we still need to remember to let them have some of those fun exploratory, um, experiences because otherwise if they just stick to the curriculum stuff, especially if it doesn't light them up, they would will they will lose interest um thank you for sharing those examples and reminding me of the dragon's den by the way someone that i met through you my fellow judge on that i think is his name travis yes, Trav, yes. Yep. okay so i met travis through you because he is the bucket list guy like if you literally google or go to linkedin he is the bucket list guy so i'm having him come on my show at some point as oh, a yay. guest to talk all about the bucket list so i'm going to ask you about yeah. your bucket list later on i'd love to dive now into the school system is broken how to fix it what are your thoughts on how to fix it yeah. Um, so I don't know that it's fixable right now, to be fair. I think it's too entrenched. Uh, uh, and while I work with teachers and I love teachers and I think their hearts are all in the right place, these are people who have been successful through the school system, gone back into the school system, often haven't had any experience outside the school system and know nothing else. It's almost like a fish in the water doesn't know what the water is. And so uh, in many of the mandated teachers that I now talk to who uh, who had were forced to step out of or chose to step out of education have looked back in and gone, gone, there's no way I can go back in because they can see it's broken. So many of our teachers uh, who are in there well, they probably know, but they can't see how broken it is because they're in there. The water is all around them. And they are, in a way, feeding that because they don't can't see it from the outside. So some of the ways that we can, though, um, is to personalise learning. How do we personalise that learning so that we can be flexible and help children to become self-directed? What are the beliefs that you have as an educator and as a parent around learning and knowledge? Because knowledge is cool and we teach knowledge every single day, but we actually focus on that learning. Because if you ask your child, what did you do at school today? They will say, well, actually, universally, they say nothing because millions of kids do nothing all day at school. But if you ask them a bit further, they'll go, we did maths, we did reading, we did writing, we did chemistry, we did uh, physics, we did PE. They will just say what they did. 
But if you ask, what did you learn? That's a very different question. Now, when you first ask this, they'll still say reading, writing, maths, uh, because they don't understand the difference between doing and learning. So what are you learning about right now? And so really having that learning focus is extremely important. I think another thing that uh, needs to be really highlighted in a classroom environment is the executive functions. So these are the skills that allow us to be great learners. Things like self-control, the ability to be able to stop thinking before you act, um, to be able to self-monitor and uh, evaluate oneself. Our children actually in our school have a blog where they self-monitor and self-evaluate and they even write their own reports. One child wrote a 3,000-word report last year. Um, I had to read it. (laughs) But uh, it was stunning as he understood his own learning journey. Uh, do they have emotional control? Can they be flexible when things go wrong? Can they? Are they good at task initiation? It's all right to know what you have to do, but are they procrastinating? And how do you get through that? Do they have organization skills? Do they have planning and time management? And all of these skills are transferable into the real world in any sphere, whether you are uh, self-employed or whether you are an employee. Do they have great working memory? Can they hold on to information to be able to complete a task? So these are some of the executive functions that are really important for our kids. And so if we can be highlighting those instead of just learning information. Again, knowledge is cool, but learning information uh, and learning the skills behind all of that. For instance, can I just say this? For instance, uh, we've just done this photography unit and several of my students this morning said when we did the exhibition said, this unit has really made me see the world differently. I see shadows. I see light and dark. I see perspective. I see um, uh, different points of view. Uh, And now they're talking about it from photography, but now I'm going to say, okay, well, let's look at a different point of view from, from something else. Where else is point of view important? Where else is perspective important? And so we grow this concept with them now because they have it through the photography and now we can uh, grow it. So it's that ability to not just be about the content, but about the process. So good. The difference between learning and knowledge and also the difference between skills and information because they can look up and Google anything. They can get the information. It's the skills that they need to to pick up. So that's amazing. Um, Okay. I'm so excited to ask you about the the Up Your Brave question, which is coming up. These are the four questions I ask every guest. Uh, What is one thing that you've done in the past year where you truly upped your brave? In the last year. Um, well, I think it's probably going to be starting the school. Um, it was not uh, on my radar um, to do that, uh, but there was a need and um, I had actually tried to start a, a public school, um, a private school really, in Upper Hutt uh, about 20 years ago. I had the backing of the council and everything, but we couldn't find land. So um, it was a real shame. But um, uh Yeah, so for me, it would be upping my brave to really step out there and go, this is what's needed. Let's put our um, our, our money where our mouth is, our our experience, 
and uh, and then trust the teachers that have been working alongside me uh, to deliver what we absolutely know to be an amazing curriculum. I wanted to ask you, so I don't forget, what um, what is the age range of the kids at your school at the moment? So at the moment, we've got uh, 10-year-olds right through to uh, year 12. So they're probably 16, 17, depending on where they're at. So we have uh, a so we have the middle school and then we have uh, the senior school where students um, we work differently with the ones who are doing exams. Yeah. Nice. Okay, bucket list. Uh, what is one thing on your bucket list, meaning something you would like to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that possibly the RCR up your brave community can help you with? Okay, well, I'm going to up my brave to answer this question. All right, um, what I would really love on my bucket list is to be able to expand our school. Right now we're charging $5,000 a year. For some parents that is uh, not affordable, uh, particularly if uh, they're not working or um, uh, just don't have that kind of income. And so we would love to be able to make that more accessible. So we are looking for investors, sponsors, to be able to even sponsor our teachers so they can be earning great money um, or just make a life out of it uh, and more students. So I'd love to know who do you know who would love to be able to experience this incredible learning that we are uh, providing? Yay. Amazing. Um, and I think more people are more people, especially even post COVID, but as time goes on and we start realizing a lot of the stuff they are teaching in schools and a lot of the stuff they're not teaching in schools, which is what you just highlighted. A lot of people are starting to look at other options. So this brings me so nicely to where can people connect with you? So where can they connect with you and what's coming up for you in the next six months? Uh, there's only one place you can go to connect with me. It's my website. Everything else launches from there. It's spectrumeducation.com. Spectrumeducation.com. From there, you can find out about the academy. You can find out about our teacher programs, our student programs, our parent programs. You can find out everything from there. So what I've got coming up in a couple of weeks' time, we have our Teachers Matter Online Summit where I have been interviewing 30 incredible educators from around the world about how to uh, keep educating um, and upping uh, the level of education for our teachers and our students in the classroom. We have a parent summit, summit coming up in October. Uh, those dates are set, but they haven't been released yet, uh, where, again, um, we talk that summit is fo focused on confidence, independence, and focus... <laughs> I'm not even in that mode. Uh, confidence, independence, and uh, something else. Uh, that something we, else amazing. Something else amazing that we want for our children. <laughs> yes. You know, you've done so many of those summits before. I know I've recommended um, speakers to you in the past. How many people end up attending those? And those are online summits. Can you give me a couple of numbers? My very first one had 7,000 people at it, um, which is phenomenal for the first one. Uh the numbers have dropped off a little because, of course, there are um, so many options now and we um, are now charging for them because we know the value that we uh, place on it. But we would have between 500 to 1,000 on average at our summits. Amazing. And yeah, I just wanted to commend you because I know this, this school that you're running now is relatively new. I mean, was it one or two years now? 
It, we're a year and a half in. A year and a half. Okay. But the summits and all the stuff, you've been doing that for many, many years. Yes. So yeah. I want to commend you. All right. So that's what's coming up. Amazing. All right, Karen. So before we wrap things up, is there anything you want to add um, along the lines of the school system is broken, how to fix it, um, empowering our families, anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, your kids are geniuses. And uh, I think the the biggest thing, a couple of things. One, parents listening, your uh, child is, your heart is your soul, and I know that, but we have to let them live their own journey. We have to let them make their own mistakes. We have to let them uh, uh, go down a path that suits them, even if it doesn't suit us. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult to watch uh, them make those mistakes, but when they make those mistakes, that's truly how they learn. If they have the ability in behind them to be able to reflect, to be able to think. So answer their questions fully, um, allow them to ask those questions, allow ask questions of them and allow them to reflect because your children are the future. And it's not about bubble wrapping them. It's not about putting them into a safe cocoon. It's about allowing them to flourish as we truly want them to. And we truly, truly do. My pleasure. Thanks for all the work that you're doing, Nat, and to all the people listening. Thank you for being here. Amazing. Thanks, everyone. So great to chat to Karen Tui Boys. She's um, based in Wellington here in New Zealand. She's always doing something exciting. She's actually got a teacher's summit coming up that she mentioned. And you can find out about that and all the other things, spectrumeducation.com. And yeah, and she's, I, I love some of the things she mentioned in our interview. She said, it's not okay for everybody to get an A is kind of one of the things that a lot of the school system has been based on. And we want to make sure that we encourage people to strive and to thrive in the school environment, which is not always the same school environment is not always suitable for everybody. So I love that what she's doing, um, giving mandated teachers um, another option of how they can share their skills in a different sort of system and also other children or kids or teens that aren't suited to the traditional um, school system and everything that it's infiltrating into, into the young minds these days. Um, and if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can check out the episode where I interviewed Sheena Malley. And I also interviewed Elizabeth Munt on what they're teaching our kids in sex ed class. So if you missed those ones, they were very, very popular episodes. You can check them out on the on the uh, website, the replays page at realitycheck.radio. Karen also talked about the difference between learning and knowledge and skills versus information. And I think it's so good to look at, you know, what, what serves us best and what is best for one child is not necessarily best for the other. So how can we help them to thrive? Such an important part of empowered living. And of course, the rest of us, you know, the adults that aren't really in school anymore, like we are in the school of life and we are always constantly, I imagine, learning and questioning things, which is a great way to be, um, and listening to our gut and things like that. So we would love to hear from you. You can send a message 2057-2057 on the text, or you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh, your host for Reality Check Radio. And my next guest is Jonathan Callanan. We're going to be talking about decentralized wealth and sovereignty. Jonathan is a 
He's from Freedom Wealth Builders, the wellness directory. He's also been an entrepreneur for 15 years, speaker, serial podcaster, and father of two. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Hey, Nat. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate being on. I'm so excited to do this interview. You know, you and I have been fellow business friends for, gosh, probably six or seven or more years. And um, I'm so excited to dive into your knowledge talking about wealth today. Uh, But before we do that, I want to know personally, and I'm sure my audience will too, how have the last three years been for you and your family? Yeah, it's, uh, I guess for a lot of people, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for us. Uh, I think if you look at the three years, the first year was probably one of the most difficult adapting to the change that was enforced upon us. Uh, so I created a lot of resilience and character building and strength at the same time. And then once we really kind of understood, you know, what was at play and what we needed to do as um, independent freedom lovers, uh, it was about empowering our own, our family, and really pivoting our lifestyle and our choices to, you know, live on purpose and understanding that, you know, life is very short and precious. Mm. And that, you know, this journey is, you know, it's, it is a ride. It's a game of strategy, first and foremost. And, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, but actually focus on the big stuff that, you know, makes our heart tick and um, helps others, you know, to... Um, well, like-minded people to be independent as well and um, enjoy their, I guess, you know, enjoy more options in their lives as much as anything else. I actually wanted to honor you because you're one of um, many people, um, but usually not enough, who were courageous enough to post about things and post really thought-provoking, not just links to random stuff, but really thought-provoking questions. And, you know, what I'm wondering is, did you get pushback and how was that for you? Yes, always pushback, you know, with uh, rising up, standing up, you're going to rattle, you know, the the people's darkness if you like Mm -hmm. and you know when you shine your torch on people's darkness it often blinds a lot of people and you lose a lot of friends that you well thought were friends at the time and yeah there's been pushback from family close friends uh mark zuckerberg's algorithms (laughs) yeah (laughs) been in facebook jail a few times but look you haven't lived if you haven't been in facebook jail have you so um, so, but yeah, it's, it's been an interesting time, but again, like I said, it's prioritizing what's important. And I think when you've got a message to share and you live authentically and you want to speak your truth, then if you've got a platform to do that, I think it's all our own, you know, responsibility to be doing that. Yeah. Well, you definitely had the courage to speak your truth. And you also had the courage to look into, you know, what is actually happening and what is the potential, the opportunity out there. In terms of the financial side of things, and you know, I haven't done, I think I've been going for about three months now with my show, um, and I haven't actually done money stuff. So I'm really excited today to share with our listeners any wisdom you have. And of course, you've got your finger on the pulse. So let's talk about, you know, banking, you know, what is the state of play at the moment? And this is, of course, coming out, you know, the end of June, uh, 2023. What is the state of play with the banks right now? Banking. Well, one word, fire, (laughs) blazing. Uh, Look, it's not a good time to be sucked into the financial system. Uh, It is a great time to be preparing our resources, thinking ahead, uh, protecting our family, uh, building 
legacy wealth right now outside the financial system. And many of the people that we're talking to today will really get what I'm talking about. And there'll be a good number of people that will also be thinking about it. And now is the time. But just to kind of give you a little bit of context, you know, look at what banks have crashed and burned over the past few months, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, First Republic, all major banks on the NASDAQ. You've got Western Alliance and Westpac basically on, you know, shaky ground as well to major, major banks. But the one thing I really want to draw people's attention to is the situation as it is right now is actually more grave than it was in 2008. We're already at that stage where, you know, the, there's more deficit, there's more loss, um, there's more banks going under than there were in 2008. The only difference is this time around that is the media aren't reporting it. So mm. they're not, we're not getting an, you know, a truly well-rounded perspective of what's going on over and certainly in places in the US. And, you know, we're kind of a lot of people in that reactionary state of, oh, something's gone, need to do something. Next thing goes, you know, it's like the domino effect. But problem is if we live in that domino effect type of way, then eventually we're the ones that are just going to be totally, you know, under submission of the people that control the the financial system, the, the banks, um, the digital wallets and the cryptocurrency that's coming into the banking system will essentially all be enslaved in that. So it's about getting out of that reactionary state that a lot of people are in right now and really switching to a proactive state and getting ahead of the curve and really protecting our assets outside the bank for ourselves, our family, you know, going forward. So it's not a good time to be sort of really inside the banking system. Um, it's, it's a tricky time for a lot of people. And uh, a lot of people, if they don't know it consciously, they'll certainly be feeling it. Yeah. And that's what I want to do. I want to give people a realistic look at what is going on that we're not necessarily being told the whole picture, but also not creating that sense of fear, just empowerment. And then, okay, awesome. What can I do about it? So before we do that, you mentioned I want to do some terminology. You mentioned legacy wealth. Now, you and I entrepreneurs, we totally know what that means. But for the rest of my listeners, can you break that down? What do you mean by legacy wealth? How do we create that? What is that? What does it even mean? Yeah, I've, I've got a saying that if we're not earning money while we sleep, then we're essentially losing money or we're just you know, having our time robbed from us. You know, so what, there's a few things when we talk about legacy wealth. It's, you know, obviously setting our kids up to be financially stable when they come out of university and give them options to, you know, travel to whether it's put some funds down on a house deposit, whatever it is. What we don't want is our kids to be really struggling at the age of 18, 19. You know, the worst case scenario, and this happened to me and happens to a lot of families, is you know, we don't want our kids coming out of university in $50,000 worth of debt. Mm. And that's the start of their adult journey, you know. So when I talk about legacy, I'm talking about, you know, something that we can remove ourselves from, but empower our kids to move forwards at the same time. And the only way we can do that, and that's why we're talking today, is to be financially independent <clears throat> outside the fiat banking system. Because you know, it's, the, the banking system isn't, you know, something that's going to make us wealthy. It's certainly not going to give us the option to build legacy wealth because the house always wins, just like the casino with, you know, the financial banking system as, it, as it's set up and structured right now. So it's about looking at decentralized 
financial options and apply. And this is where critical thinking really comes into play. You know, a lot of people have, you asked about the last three years. Well, the last three years, one of the big things is, you know, people like ourselves, we've really finally tuned in our critical thinking skills and upped our brave, upped our due diligence and the choices we're making across all areas of our lives. But right now, financial wealth, health, sovereignty, it's absolutely critical. So doing our due diligence around that is really important. But there are some amazing, amazing options to build our wealth independently outside the enslavement system and the matrix, you know, nine to five hamster wheel that people get caught up in. Yeah. And I want to come to that. I want to ask you about gold, silver and crypto. Um, but another terminology that you mentioned there was the fiat system. So by that, are you talking about like the paper money system that the Federal Reserve has been just printing money random, you know, randomly ad hoc? Um, and we're moving towards more of a gold backed system. I don't know if that's in place yet. Um, so is that what you mean by fiat? Yeah, that's that's essentially it. Yeah, it's it's the biggest Ponzi scheme on the planet, really, because the way the fiat system works is you put your money in the bank and it's fractional reserving allows banks to basically use uh, 90% of what you deposit and lend it out to other people. That's what a Ponzi scheme is. They make interest on the dollar that they lend out to other people that you've just deposited into the bank. Um, so... Uh, fear really is a way of serving the masters, the bankers, mm. people that control the bankers, and you know the way it's been um, since the early 1900s. And the particular event that triggered the whole Federal Reserve—I won't go into that—but a lot of people will know what event I'm talking about. And you know that has essentially enslaved humanity in debt for you know what is it now a hundred years. So. When I talk about decentralized, I'm talking about having full control, full ownership and independence over our own assets and for it to be completely untracked, untraceable, and you know, to have encrypted peer-to-peer -peer transactions that aren't controlled by a third party. So that's really the difference between fiat and decentralized banking. Okay, so for some people listening, you know, it is a bit um, overwhelming or intimidating hearing some of the terminology, but just knowing yep. that um, it's a great time to get proactive, to learn what's going on, and then to take some steps, because I guess there are ways that people can prepare themselves, you know, and be um, not be caught out, I suppose. Um, so what are some of the opportunities or some of the smart things that people can do to be prepared? Yeah, well, first thing is to really align yourself with people that are already doing it and prospering from it. Um, myself and people I have around me, leaders and people that really just dedicate their time, energy, resources to learning about these different projects, uh, these platforms and opportunities to actually, you know, just accumulate wealth. Um, and what I'm saying is accumulate by earning when we're sleeping, going back to that, because the end of the day, if you're not compounding your gains, then you know you're not actually making any money. All you're doing is you're living in a a repeated earn to spend, earn to spend, and that's a an enslavement system essentially. Mm. You know, until we've got funds working for us, compounding and living off interest, then we don't actually we're not actually truly accumulating any type of wealth. And when I say platforms and projects. Yeah, I'm talking about DeFi projects. I mean, give you a couple of examples. Um, cloud minting is an obvious one. 
uh, which is basically validation of transactions on the blockchain. Um, there are lots of lucrative opportunities in that space right now, and that's up and coming. I mean, if you look at the bank system, that's going to be converted to a crypto system within the next 12 to 18 months guaranteed. So lots of opportunities to leverage that. But there's also things like Forex trading, uh, which is a trillion-dollar daily industry. Lots of people are making fantastic wealth from. And again, I say compounding their results and their gains every single day in that space. So the important is to have a few of these working for you, but also to be diversifying and de-risking as mm. much as possible across different spaces so that you know you haven't got all your eggs in one basket. Um, and yeah, you know, we've done that with the banking system. We've always had our eggs in one basket with the fiat banking system. Um, and now we're starting to see the risk and the problems associated with that. With DeFi, we've got all these amazing different spaces that we can leverage as an entrepreneur and with an entrepreneur mindset to work for us, you know, when, without us having to put the time and the energy into it. So, yeah, they'll just be aligning with people that know what they're talking about. We have a webinar on Sunday that, you know, that's one of the projects we'll be talking about and sharing some examples and some case studies, you know, so that's something that, you know, we're always open because at the end of the day, this is about building a vibe, building a tribe, and helping people in a community of like-minded awake that want to get out of the system. It's not about, you know, the whole kind of let's build wealth individually. It's let's build wealth collectively and create, you know, a tribe that way. So, yeah, that's what I'd probably say about it. It's, um, you know, do, go to someone that's, that's doing it, has done it, knows how to do it, got the proven results. I mean, that's like anything in life, isn't it? Totally. I mean, it's interesting because some people will be thinking, you know, I've got property or I've got shares. And so we do want to have diverse things going on, not just money in the bank. Um, I mean, I bought some crypto a couple of years ago, but I'm definitely not one to go and learn all the ins and outs of crypto. Like it just doesn't like fire me up. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I bought some silver a few years ago. So I feel like I'm in a pretty good position. Yeah. Um, and of course, those that are entrepreneurs, when we talk about leverage, some of people might have a digital product or an ebook or a course that they sell. And that again is that leverage kind of income revenue stream. But for people that aren't business people, you know, having something other than just the money in the bank, because I it is quite volatile to only have that one option. Okay, awesome. So they can come to your <laughs> they can come to your webinar if they want to learn more yeah. because it sounds Absolutely. like interesting but overwhelming to me. So well, look, um, the one the one on Sunday just very yeah. quickly so to interrupt <laughs> is a great first rung on the ladder because yes. it's such a simple project for beginners and understand <laughs> an education program. So it's, it's a great one. Sounds good. Okay, and and maybe on this on this um, interview today, you can tell us a little bit more about just some things that we might want to know if we can't come along on Sunday. What is it? so? Cool. I might ask you that in a minute, um, and I will ask you at the end where they can join up for this webinar. But why don't you just mention it now? If there's an easy place to Google or go to, yeah. Well, I'll probably easy just to um, share a link if that's all right to go and register for it. Uh, it's on Sunday afternoon. Um, I can tell you the project is. It's one predominantly in the forex trading space. Um, it's nothing people have to learn. It's you know it's a very simplistic project. But what I like about the company is they're diversifying across multiple different spaces. You know they've got liquidity pools in crypto, forex trading, silver, gold. They've got shares in sports teams in Australia, um, heavyweight boxers, <laughs> all sorts of things. So 
when you hear that sort of information, you kind of go, ah, okay, so they're set up to be sustainable going forward. And that's the real key, you know, component of any good DeFi project. Is it sustainable? Because there are lots of here today, gone next month type projects that, you know, offering fantastic returns, you know, but you do your due diligence and you understand actually that do we do we know who the founder is? Do is this project set up to be uh, sustainable this time next year? Uh, how are they earning the revenue? How is it getting distributed between the people in the projects? And you know that this is all information that we we have to know. Is it compliant? Is it legit? You know, is it transparent? Is there open communication with the projects and the founders all the time through webinars and things like that? So this project that I'm going to be talking about on Sunday ticks all those boxes, and it's a, just a very easy one for people to get in, especially if they're thinking of, you know, the risk tolerance is high at the moment. And that's totally understandable. But the one thing I would say is if, you know, we don't risk anything right now, then we're just absolutely risking everything with the state of play. So, yeah, that's... Okay, well, we're we're audio only here at the moment on the radio. So what I can do, yes. you guys, is sometimes I'll put a post on my Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Facebook. And I actually took a photo of Jonathan and I here on our video. So I'll, I'll use that image. You can easily look for it. And I'll put a link to this webinar, which is on Sunday. So depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to us live, you can attend that webinar. If you're listening to us later, meaning the replay, um, then you can get in touch with Jonathan in another way and maybe get the replay then or ask some questions. All right. I want to ask a question of you now sure. because we'll have some people thinking, you know, money, like some people will be overwhelmed when they think about money and other people will just think, oh, you know, I never do well with money or things are always a struggle and that's fine. Can we talk about yeah. money mindset? What practical sure. strategies or guidance do you have for my audience today around, you know, strengthening their money mindset? Yeah, it's a really good question. And obviously, we could talk for 24 hours about strengthening your money mindset and some. Uh, but one thing, and the key thing to know really with improving our money mindset is a lot of it is in the subconscious mind. All right. So it's uh, what we've seen, what we've experienced through the five senses, you know, in that first seven to eight years of our lives. So if we've been in a family where money was always scarce and, you know, we, we saw our parents struggling or family members struggling with it, then that's our perception of money. So even using the word money, you know, we've got internal dialogue going on every time we say that word. So we're either, you know, inside our subconscious, we're either thinking that's, you know, scarce, evil, and or we're thinking it's abundant and fun. You know, it gives us options. So we make a choice on how to build that relationship with that word. So to do that, obviously, if, you know, like I say, we have been brought up where money has been scarce, then a, a certain amount of subconscious rewiring needs to take place. And there are numerous techniques and tactics and ways to work on that. But the first thing is to really understand what the word money actually means to us and really tune in with our vibration on that. So, you know, just write the word down money, uh, sorry, write the word money down on a piece of paper and then just zone out of everything and just write down the words that you feel that you associate with the word money. All right. Because if it's fear, if it's loss, scarcity, evil, whatever it is, then that's where we need to be rewiring our subconscious and start focusing on 
what money can actually do for us. How, what can it do for our lifestyle? How can it help us evolve spiritually? How can it help us help other people to live on purpose and evolve? You know, because there are always two ways to look at a particular uh, resource like money. And, you know, it's not easy. A lot of people, you know, are struggling now and it's all very well me standing here and saying, you know, this is what you've got to do. But the reality is until we're aware of that internal dialogue and conversation going on in our minds around that word, nothing is going to change. That's so true. You know, I did an event last year, Align Your Business. And one of my speakers, Donna Gamagami from She Means Business, she's all about like normalizing wealth for women. And she did an activity like that with the audience. And she said, you know, close your eyes and I want you to picture a wealthy man. You know, what does he look like? What is he wearing? What is he saying? And then same thing, picture a wealthy woman. And it was so fascinating. Then they had to turn to the person beside them and share. And a lot of people were like, oh, the woman was very snobby and she had a fur coat, you know, or whatever. Yes, yes. Yeah, People's absolutely. different perceptions of wealth yeah. is so fascinating. And it's not just broke people that have problems with money. It can be people that earn great money. You know, it can be doctors, lawyers, you know, um, the like that earn really good salaries, but they're skin because they, they consume too much. They've got a problem with spending money, you know, so they've got challenges around. It's a different challenge around, you know, struggling with your shopping each week, but it's still a, a challenge. So, you know, just to give you an example, one of the things that's really important there is to rewire, rewire our subconscious to actually get pleasure out of saving money. And a lot of people really struggle with that idea, saving. Um, but when I say save, I don't mean put it in your piggy bank because nothing happens to that money. It's just sitting there. I mean invest it where it's going to earn you money. So you're going to compound those gains and that's going to create more money out of the money that you've invested. That's the smart way to go. So actually rewiring our subconscious, but also triggering, you know, those adrenaline, you know, um, that feeling of, uh, of actually euphoria when we save and I'm putting money to work for us, that's a total switch as well. And, you know, there's a lot of people that go bankrupt. They're in fantastic, you know, jobs with high salaries and they just can't stop spending money. So there's different ways to rewire, but it all comes down to the same thing. One other thing we've heard, at least I've heard for the past two years or more is, oh, make sure you've got at least $200, $300 cash, you know, in the drawer because, yep. you know, we're going to have this internet blackout and it's going to be 10 days of darkness, whether that's literal darkness or just internet darkness, or maybe the banks just don't work like the FOS. I'm not sure, but I like to be prepared. Do I have 200 in the drawer right now? Probably more like 100 because I keep spending it. Um, What what are your thoughts around that? Do you think it's a good idea to have some cash on hand? Yeah, I think it's always a smart idea. And it's a bit like sort of storing, you know, uh, shelf life type foods and water and you know, silver as well, silver coins, which are much more practical than, you know, gold bars at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that this is about being prepared mm. um, and, you know, being prepared has many kind of facets and what, which we've got to, you know, look after ourselves as the immediate prepared, which is kind of having cash <laughs> and food and, if, you know, we can't suddenly our supply lines cut off. 
Um, but there's also, you know, the medium term being prepared, which is getting involved in different projects outside of the system. Um, and, you know, it includes tangibles like gold, silver, property, of course, but DeFi projects, decentralized wealth projects, you know, this is the future. Web 3.0, blockchain, crypto, <laughs> this is the imminent future. And I, I know you said you don't like to learn about these. And I, I totally get that. I actually want to ask you, what is DeFi? What do you mean by <laughs> DeFi projects? What's uh, that? Yep, sure. So DeFi just means decentralized finance. Got it. So you've got all these fintech companies popping up left, right, and center, which are basically financial technology companies that are just leading the way now. And what are they adopting? Crypto, you know. So a lot of people, I understand why it's technical, but I would strongly urge people to learn about the basics and just understand, you know, what is the blockchain? What is crypto? Why is it so important? And, you know, and at the end of the day, now it's always the same. I always have the same answer for people when they say, do we need to earn, sorry, do we need to learn this stuff? And I say, well, look, you've got two options. You can pretend it's not happening. This is <laughs> pretend that future is not happening, or you can earn and learn at the same time. Now, for me, coming from, you know, someone that's been through the system and the academic system and came out at 22 with a, you know, a first-class honours degree, a teaching um, post-grad certificate. I went through the whole indoctrination. <laughs> I was going to say, you're a great candidate for indoctrination, but you managed I, to get out of I it. I was. Look, 22, but for some reason I felt something that I knew wasn't quite there, and I only went into supply teaching. I never did the what my friends did, which was, you know, get the five-year contract with the school, then get a mortgage, and then, you know, which means a death pledge, by the way, as we know, and then just kind of, you know, be enslaved essentially to their options. Um, I kind of kept my options open. Then I came across to New Zealand and did some entrepreneurial stuff, started in the fitness training industry, actually. But, you know, what I'm saying is that you have to really be open to the idea of earning and learning because for that first 22 years of my life, I just learned and got in debt <laughs> um, about a lot of stuff that I don't even use now. At least we can earn and learn about stuff that is actually going to be shaping the future of technology and finance and the way we're going to be interacting in society and everything else that goes with it, AI and you know, a number of others. So, you know, AI and blockchain and crypto are all going to merge. Mm -hmm. So I do say to people, the quicker you jump on this gravy train and you start learning, just even if it's just basics, don't put too much expectation on you. Just get your foot on that first rung of the ladder. The universe starts opening up these all these beautiful doors and um, we start meeting some fantastic people. We start getting involved in lots of different cool projects and, you know, we're ahead of the curve and that's what it's about right now, isn't it? Being ahead of the curve, you know, so when the wave does come, we just put the boat down and away we go, you know, go with it. I, I do like the sound of that. I think, you know, it is, it is. Um, a great way to be sovereign is to earn and learn. And by the way, like you, I also survived the indoctrination and I, I was a great well candidate. <laughs> I did nine years of tertiary education, right? So since yeah, <laughs> nine years of, of like since high school and I did environmental ed and masters of environmental education. And so all this kind of potentially, you know, becoming an activist, I'm not an activist. I'm actually an activator. I'm an activator. Excellent. Very like different. It. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Anyway, and coming from a very medical family and no entrepreneurs in my family and no freedom fighters in my family. So, 
Yes. Yes. Um, but there's the a lot thing. of people like me the, out there that are, you know, I'm, I want to be prepared with the money stuff. Yes. I've been listening to some things. I'm, I'm keen to learn. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to be an, able to answer this, but the other thing I've sure. heard about is like quantum currency or rainbow currency, um, mm -hmm. which has nothing to do with like, you know, pink shirt day and the transgender agenda. But um, yeah. can you comment on that? Well, it's not something I've really delved into on a heavy scale. I've got to be honest with you. Um, but there are two schools of thought. There's the school of thought where, you know, the whole banking system is going to be switched over to this ISO 222 crypto uh, system, if you like, which is going to adopt cryptocurrencies like XLM, XRP, IOTA, a lot of different kind of what we call ISO 222 coins, which, you know, right now are like 50 cents a, a token. So just holding some of those tokens is a really, you know, smart idea because when, it's not a case of if, when the banking system does switch over to the cryptocurrency way of working, all of those tokens are going to absolutely roar. So 50 cents a token at the moment, you know, it could be $300, $400 a token in the next Well, that's good to hear because some people might be thinking, oh, I missed the boat. You know, did I miss the boat? Because everyone's been talking about crypto for so long. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's cool. That's good to hear. Yeah, these are these are the, going to essentially be the stable tokens of the as kind of the new financial. I won't call it revolution because it's not. But it, you know, the way the banking system is going to operate, uh, the quantum financial side of things is a bit different. That's the school of thought that doesn't include the old financial system. Mm -hmm. And yeah, again. There is merits to being aware of, you know, what comes with that, but I'm, I'm not going to go into it because I, for me, it's more about having the practicalities and the knowledge of what's happening right now mm -hmm. and what's available to us right now, rather than conceptualizing stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, people that are struggling with shopping or putting food on the table for their family, they don't need concepts. They need actual, you know, practical solutions. And that's, that's the game I'm in right now, helping yeah. people do that. Which is awesome. And, you know, I mean, I've seen you do that and I've seen you pivot, you know, evolve your business over the years, because one of the other things that you and I have in common is our love of holistic health. And you've got this wellness yes. directory. Um, so I'd love to hear about that if that's still up and running. But I think the other thing, another thing I want to highlight, and I've said this before, is I want to help people, empower people to be prepared, but not paranoid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Be prepared. But the thing is, being prepared is it increases our self-confidence anyway. And, um, you know, when we're helpless, then we're paranoid because we feel like we're just basically um, a victim of circumstance, mm -hmm. right? When we're prepared, we're proactive and we're punching forward, the P's, mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, we can move forward with a totally different vibration you know, a vibration of more certainty. Um, and for me, love as well for helping other people. And, you know, just having that confidence to know that if it all goes <laughs> down the toilet, then we've got things in place. Um, because a lot of people right now are just very confused. They're living in fear. Yeah. They don't know what's around the corner. They're hearing lots of different mixed messages. Um, but the one common denom denominator is ourselves and what we're doing for ourselves, how we're being prepared, not just mm. mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, and emotionally with all of that. Um, and it all, 
you know, intersex, as we know, into a beautiful Venn diagram, you know, it's, it's, it's all one. So, yeah, it's, yeah, the preparedness, plan to prepare, <laughs> um, you know, fail to plan, plan to fail. Yeah, it's, it's so true right now. And we do have just a, a small window of opportunity, really, if, if we're really awake and aware to what's going on around us. You know, like I said at the start of this call, what's happening with the banks on the NASDAQ and, you know, what's happening across the world and all the distractions in the media. You know, there's a lot of transferring of wealth going on left, right and centre in front of us that, you know, media aren't reporting at um, between big corporations. They're getting ready. The banks are getting ready for this shift. And we have to be ahead, not ready. We have to be ahead. Mm. So, yeah, that prepared word is very important. Definitely. So I'd love to ask our lovely listeners out there. Um, you can text in 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. What are you doing to be prepared, but not paranoid? What are you doing in your life? What are you doing with your money to be prepared? Um, or maybe what are you doing to have a positive money mindset? Have you? Um, is there an activity that you've done or some sort of mantra that you have? You know, my friend Melaine taught me, I love I love money and money loves me. You know, Beautiful. so what That's is it right. that you're doing? We'd love to hear from you 2057 on the text. Um, so Jonathan, I'm going to ask you the questions that I ask all my guests, and we're going to kick off with what is one thing in the last year that you've done where you've truly upped your brave? Well, you know what I'm going to say, don't you, Nat? It's really taking that first leap of faith into the decentralized financial space, getting involved in my first project, which by the way, didn't work out because when you get involved in the first part, often you just kind of you know, you're having faith and trust in other people. Um, and I didn't know anything about crypto this time 12, 13 months ago. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's been a fantastic year of learning, self-growth and being prepared. And I have to say if I didn't take that first step, uh, then I would probably be, you know, where I was 12 months ago, which was, you know, living in doubt, uncertainty, a little bit of fear about, you know, funds I had in my bank account and how I was going to provide and, you know, support my family going forward, all of those, you know, internal questions that go on as, you know, being the provider of the family. So not only was it the first step into that space, but it was also continuing in that space after that first project fell because a lot of people would go, okay, well, crypto is not for me. You know, the first yeah. project, ah, you know. Yeah, tried that, done. Yeah, done, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so well, congrats on having the courage to, I guess, to change slightly or take, you know, take and navigate around the and or dust yourself off and move move forward again. So that's cool. And of course, you're always learning as always, you go. Always, yeah. Uh, bucket list. So, what is one thing on your bucket list, which is something you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that possibly the Reality Check Radio community can help you with? Yeah, I mean, if I can just slightly pivot that question. <laughs> <laughs> Make just, it your own. And just talk about what I feel that we can all do right now rather than my own bucket list. I've got my own bucket list and, you know, some of it's family-based, some of it's travel, some a lot of it's, you know, self-growth and evolution and going on retreats and, you know, really finding spiritual John O as well. And, you know, I'm on that path right now. But for me, I get more satisfaction and my vibes raise when other people are doing the same. So if there's one thing I can ask of your community is that we step up our brave plan. I'm just, I know you use that, so I've had to use it. 
um, but also raise our vibes by, you know, understanding that we are far greater, far more powerful than what the media, what the education system has indoctrinated us to be. We know very little about how our minds work and our potentiality on this short journey. And just really love yourself, trust yourself and grow as a person um, to keep learning, keep an open mind and an open heart and raise your vibrations to see in this new world because that's the only way that the people are going to collectively win. So that's raise your vibe, raise your brave, up your brave. Oh, I love that. I'm like, that is just like a grand finale way to finish, but we're not done yet. No. Um, interestingly, with the with the bucket list uh, for my audience, I'm going to give you a little teaser for an upcoming episode. I actually in, interviewed um, Travis Bell, aka the bucket oh, yeah. list guy. Yes. He's from Australia. He's in such hot demand with his speaking because everyone wants to learn about like, how do I make a bucket list? And he's written this book. Um, so that is an upcoming interview for, for you, all of you to get excited about. But thank you for sharing that. That's a great one. Um, that's a very motivational, inspirational um, challenge, I think, to my audience as well, is to like up your brave, stay positive, you know, stay in the zone of love, but also learning. Yes. So Be the change we want to see as well. I love that yeah. one because yeah. it's so true. Yeah, absolutely. What is one thing um, or what it generally is coming up for you in the next six months and how can people connect with you online? Well, there's going to be uh, a lot more speaking gigs, talking, traveling, and building like-minded communities with the, the whole Freedom Wealth Builders uh, project that we're working on at the moment. Um, and Freedom Wealth Builders isn't just about building wealth. Obviously, wealth is an integral part of that. Why? Because wealth gives us options to grow, um, gives us choices that can often expedite the process as well. So again, rewire the relationship we have with money and you know let's let's do this together let's be the best possible version of ourselves because you know money is abundant it's a resource it's a tool that can help us be you know whoever we need to be in this lifetime and be a thinking up abundance so freedom wealth builders is going to go from strength to strength we've got a massive community already in there uh, we are on signal at the moment because we're freedom fighters, <laughs> of course. We're not on. I mean, I do have a messenger chat group as well, but um, we have just transitioned to Mighty Networks and we're building the community over there as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the easiest way to interact with me personally is to jump on one of our presentation calls, um, come and feel the vibe of other people on there because, you know, every time we do it, it's fun, it's lighthearted, it's for awake people, it's a great camaraderie and everyone's there to support each other. So jump on one of these calls and let's continue that journey together, you know, like I say, supporting each other in this new world. Okay. I love it. You're on signal. I'm on signal. I'm on telegram. I'm, I'm on rumble. Um, telegram signal. I, yeah, I still want to give them somewhere to go. So even somewhere if it's an email go. address yes. that you can tell yeah. us, I'm like, give us something. How can we uh, find you? Absolutely. I uh, want an email address. Uh, if, if just go my full name at gmail.com. That's the easiest way to reach out. If you want to say hi, um, it's so funny. It makes me laugh because if we were having this interview this time last year, I, be able to reel off so many ways to connect and interact with me, but I've, I'm a very different person to what they I might have to message me ago. and then I'll have to introduce them to you. No. So, so everyone it's Jonathan Callanan, but it's, you know, you know, I know you Callanan. say Callanan, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. N-A-N at gmail.com. And, you know, we'll have an image that goes with this interview. You should be able to read his name off of that. Um, 
Or yeah. if, if you, for the freedom warriors out there, if you want to connect with me, exit matrix 79 at <laughs> proton.me. That's my favorite email address. Exit matrix 79. Bonus points for having that yeah. email address. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Okay, amazing. Um, hey, before we wrap it up, um, is there anything else you want to share with our audience around the topic of decentralized wealth and sovereignty? Yeah, I, I think really it's just because I'm so passionate about helping people get out of their own way at the moment and transition from this old new paradigm. The one common denominator that I keep seeing people is just that fear and the unknown really holds people back so again you know it's just coming back to risk something um so that you don't have to risk everything and just really tap into that courageous warrior that is inside all of us knowing that you know decentralized finance decentralized way of living is the way of the future it's you know it's decentralized for a reason it's to cut out that third party greedy operator that we've had to basically you know pay or um bow down to for far too long so take it take a risk um you know reach out jump on a webinar uh it is the first rung on the ladder um even if it's just to say hello great um but you know just once we declare something to the universe the universe will act in accordance but until we consciously intentionally declare that we're going to do that and change our situation then it's just just another excuse so true that's awesome and yes it's i didn't i don't think i knew that you were a teacher but i've been on multiple yeah. webinars of yours over the years and i'm like well you are a teacher and you're still teaching you're just not in the classroom <laughs> exactly yeah i prefer to be talking yeah. <laughs> rather than listening i do listen a lot on other webinars but yeah. yeah, but you're not in the school system. You're out there empowering people through, but you're still teaching. So I love that. Yeah, living life on my terms and helping others do the same. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining us today. Beautiful. I really appreciate the time that you've given me to have a chat with you. It's awesome as always. All right. All right. So our listeners, we want to hear from you um, about your money mindset how you are living a decentralized life in terms of your wealth and sovereignty and any questions that you've got for Jonathan, you can always just send them into me, you know, at, at 2057 on the text or inbox at realitycheck.radio. And then I can email you back with Jonathan's link, but otherwise you can, you can email him, Jonathan Callanan, um, at gmail.com or that proton one. Can you say it again? Your That's favorite one? Exit matrix 79 at proton.me. There it is. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Thank you. A lot of financial lingo and terminology in that interview with Jonathan Callanan. Um, and of course, a lot of good tips and inspiration as well. We talked about rewiring our subconscious and your relationship with money. We talked about being prepared, so prepared, but not paranoid. And also, he, Jonathan highlighted that we are more powerful than we realize, which is something I iterate all the time, and I totally agree. Um, and we can love and we can learn and we can raise the vibration. So it's such a great message. You can find Jonathan. And remember, he's doing that webinar Sunday. So if you're listening to this Friday or Saturday, um, you can jump on his webinar. I am going to put the link on my Facebook page for you um, because it's tricky to read out. Uh, it's a bit.ly link. Um, so you can check that out on Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. Or you can find him. You can probably email him 
Exit Matrix 79 at proton.me <laughs> or on Instagram, Jonathan Callanan, J O N A T H A N C A L L I N A N, Jonathan Callanan. So great to talk to Jonathan and get his info and his insight. We'd love to hear from you what resonated. Let us know. Um, always different things, you know, different things for different people that stand out, but it's all about raising our awareness and being more empowered. Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Chick Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or even if you don't agree with what you're listening to, then get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057. Or if you'd rather email us, you can at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so get in touch with us now. You've heard the words open, fair, both sides of the story. It's easy to say them, but practicing them often seems like a bridge too far. New Zealand, it's time for a reality check. Reality check. RCR, Reality Check Radio. Rational discussion, common sense, and open debate for real. With me, Paul Brennan. You know, you just can't make this stuff up. You couldn't write the script. Veteran broadcaster Peter Williams. Where is the evidence they actually make a difference? It turns out that was a very fair question to ask. Taking on the mainstream, Chantel Baker. Mainstream media, as usual, in their little perch. The man who cares so much and whose background is for real, Rodney Hyde. The doctors don't believe them. They can't get ACC. They can't work. They're told it's all in their head. Along with a raft of contributors to inform, entertain and bring the truth back to New Zealand media. It's time for a reality check, all right. RCR, Reality Check Radio at www.realitycheck.radio. We've arrived. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. You're listening to Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. And today I'm talking to Marie McManaway, and we're going to be talking about her topic of getting the green light on your life. Marie is a personal development coach, author, and facilitator. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Am, Good to be here. Am I saying your name right? Is it Marie or Mari? Well, it's up to the individual, but commonly known as Marie. <laughs> Love it. Just making sure. Okay, Marie, I, what I would love, I'm so excited to dive into this topic to hear what you mean about um, getting the green light on your life. And yeah, I know you've written multiple books as well. But before we dive into that, can you give us a little a little background, a little backstory on how you got started in this area? Mm, thank you. Uh, I, I think I would be fair to say that I grew up in what I'd call a once for warriors home as a child. And it was pretty tough going, but I always had this little voice within me that said, you know, there's going to be a better way. And uh, eventually, you know, you grow up as you do. But I left home when I was 15 and left school when I was 15 and found a empty house, a convenient house that I um, managed to put myself into all within a week. And that was the beginning of my uh, new life as an individual. Although I was only 15, I took it as adulthood at that moment. And um the world grew from there for me. I think I found a lot of comfort in books and reading 
And although I felt lonely, I had comfort in those books. And they were able to teach me. I don't know if you've ever heard of um, the Little Red Hen as an example. Yes. Or the Bernstein Bears series. And it was always learning how to do things in a better way. And, and they were basically my foundation tools to get me going in life. And it was it was really, really good. Um, at about around about the age of uh, the year 1986, uh, 1996, um, my mum-in-law was uh, uh, killed train versus car. And we were the first people on scene. And because it was my husband's mum, I chose to uh, go to the car. And obviously there was a lot of imagery around that. And what I wanted from that was something good to come from what was an ungood experience. And that was when I began the journey of actually braving up and getting in front of people. Because I had been a, what I call a once for warrior survivor or striver, I had always lived a very um, hidden away, very introvert life. And this opportunity of wanting to get out and help other people in the world meant that I had to adorn extrovert uh, habits. And that was really, really tough. So my brave was to how do I learn this little quiet, uh, forlorn type of mindset to be brave enough to step out into the big, white, scary world? And I actually went to Toastmasters because it was not so much that I didn't have the passion, I just didn't have the know-how. And it was brilliant. And from that, I learned the Competent Communicators Manual and completed the first one. And it made me step up. It taught me how to speak in front of people. It taught me how to use gestures and how to just shine your own individual light rather than trying to be someone else. And it was a game changer. I, I would highly recommend Toastmasters to anyone, to be fair. Yeah. Wow, what an incredible journey. And I think... Um... There'll be other people, of, of course, out there listening today who are also, as you call them, once were warrior survivors or thrivers um, who have, you know, like you, hopefully turned their the adversity into something positive to positively impact other lives. So congratulations on navigating that yourself. You. Um, and and now you, you're, you've turned that around and you're helping people, you're empowering people. What does that look like in your daily life? Like what type of people are you coming across and how are you helping them to, um, I guess, up their brave or be courageous in their own way? Each client is obviously I work with is very, very much an individual thing. And my youngest client is around about 15 and a, a beautiful lady who was 86 actually <laughs> <laughs> came for coaching. And, and it was really, really sweet because she sort of handed me this flyer and um, she said, I want you to help me find my daughter. And I mm -hmm. sort of said to her, well, oh, gosh, I, you know, I'm sorry. That's not really my role, you know. My, my And she reminded me that on this flyer I had put helping you to get anything you want from life. <laughs> and that was what she wanted. And I had to reword my flyer a little more <laughs> carefully because of that. Um, ironically, I was able to help her find her daughter, but it was not really part of my calling. So what I am, I consider myself uh, focused solely on personal development, and I think it doesn't matter whether you are a, uh, you know, young teenager, a stay-at-home housewife, um, a person in parliament, 
or you know a, a business owner, whoever you are, we all need to know who we are, what we want, and where we're going. Because the three aspects of success or of living a happy life is to know that you have something to love, to know you have something to do, and to know you have something to look forward to. And if you can tick those three boxes, you are pretty much living a pretty good life. But when people fall off, the wheels of life fall off for them. Often one of your first symptoms of being out of alignment are that I don't know who I am anymore or I don't know where I'm going. And you'll often notice that after a crisis or a trauma, that's a wording that people will use. And that is your body drops in serotonin in a huge way and, and we just lose direction. So some people will call on on medical health at that point and take things like an antidepressant. But we have the ability to make serotonin ourselves. We we have to understand who we are as an individual in this world and how we get our happy. And I think that's the big thing as a coach. What I look for when, we, when I begin the process with a client is to ask, what makes you happy? Where does your happy come from? What does it feel like? You know, And we determine... Are you dopamine-based? Are you oxytocin-based, serotonin-based, or endorphin-based? And those four chemicals are free, and they are produced within your body. And when you are in alignment and living your best life, you are excreting those great chemicals and feeling on top of the world. And when you are not, what you're saying, what your body would give you, the symptoms that will either feel heavy in the shoulders, uh, you might get guttural problems, you might get those word languages like I mentioned, you know, this isn't fear, I'm not, I don't know who I am or where I'm going. All of these things are your body's wonderful way of saying, hey, are you listening? You know, and it's such a simple way to understand yourself. If we consider that the same neurotransmitters within our brain are identical within our stomach, and our heart, we need to tune into that and find out first if we are out of alignment. And so by coming to a coach, you are asking them to help guide you in a way that finds your true profile to understand, to know who you really are, and then what you really want from it, and then you work from there. So based on that process, then I will do a personality test find out if there are past life traumas that may need to be um, healed or worked through, and then to understand which values or beliefs are literally sabotaging or limiting you from going forward. Because we have our two minds, we have a logical mind. So logically, if we use the car as an analogy, if you know, you know how to drive it, but if you put the wrong petrol in, it's not going to get down the road very far. It's almost as if you've left the handbrake on, and no matter how hard you try, darn it, why can't I get there? Why? What stops me going? And that is your subconscious, where all your emotional or your EQ lives, is, is imbalanced or out of sync with who you are. And that is my job to identify that. And a lot of my clients call me the nerve beaver. To, <laughs> to identify that piece that isn't working where the pain sits or the hold prevents you from going forward. 
And that's my job. I'm, I love every single thing you're talking about. You know, early on, you were talking about alignment, which uh, as my audience knows, I talk about a lot and um, the, the four chemicals. So what I'd love to ask our audience is how do you get your happy? Can you walk us through, you talked about the, the four chemicals, um, which we've heard of before, but you said that you work with someone and you kind of decipher which of the four is they're happy. Can you give an example? Mm, um, sure. So I really, I lo- really love like tangible examples that my audience can like implement in their life. So if you can give us an example of somebody else or something that you ask people so that we can kind of determine for ourselves sitting here now, oh, that's interesting. I'm serotonin based or whatever. Yeah, mm. go with that. So if you were going to write your own personal happiness mm. and you can do this while you're in a good frame of mind, there's no good trying to find what makes you happy when you're in a, a low frame of mind, either stressed or depressed or any of that. You know, you need to be in a good practical mindset and just start noting it down, play with it. And I use the word play because we've got to play a little more. We don't want to force and push. Yes. That just creates more rapids. So if you are perhaps dopamine-based, dopamine-based uh, people are more likely to have addiction tendencies. So if you were to ask, you know, somebody who's, you know, smokes marijuana as an example, he might say, well, I can't do anything unless I've had a hit. You know, so he's needing that, that level of something to get him going. Now, of course, that's one extreme. But for the everyday person like myself, I like to get up in the morning and I love my coffee. So that's my first little reward for the day. So if you like to um, acknowledge yourself, so how do you get your rewards? If you think about when you were little you on the mat with your arms and legs folded doing the times table, when you got it right, they would have said, good girl or good guy, here's a gold star. You know, So we are very reward-based people in today's society. And that can be anything from giving yourself a coffee or an ice cream to a Ferrari, depending on your <laughs> on your bank balance. But it's acknowledging when you do good. You know, it's a way of promoting, I did good today, good on me. You know, so it can be anything from a small tangible gift. Perhaps you book yourself for a massage or you give yourself a home facial right down to um, you know, whether or not you can afford to take uh, uh, even more things more regularly. You know, women do like to go shopping. But we don't want to keep dopamine uh, chemicals just for only for the holiday once or twice a year because what that does is it, it gives us the impression that we're struggling until then. And the more we can be in a celebratory, um, happy, rewarding mood, the better our vibration is, the more likely we're going to attract more good things and, in fact, look for it. So that's dopamine-based. The other one is oxytocin. So that is more, you know, it's cuddling up to either someone you love from, you know, young children right through to an elderly person, right through if you don't have people around you, even your pets, your family like that. Um, or you can use rug therapies, You can use a hot bath or cozying into those sheets on a warm winter's night. All of that gives you that sense of bonding. I belong. I have a place. And it's a lovely, I almost liken it to having um, bubbles in your blood. You get that feeling. You just know you're there. You know, you're like, oh, that's 
I thought you were going to say bubbles in the bath. And I thought, oh, that well, sounds like, yeah. that sounds like me. <laughs> bubbles in the bath as well. So it's that bonding feeling. And then we move on to serotonin. Again, that is that sense of feeling purposeful. So what have you done today that you can feel good about? You know, was it a couple of nice connections or chats? Did you reach out or compliment a person? You know, tell the guy in the dairy that what a good job he does, right down to, you know, grandchildren or other people. But we can boost our serotonin by just putting ourselves in the sun. Fingers crossed we get it, of course, for up to 20 minutes a day. So that means getting your skin in the sunshine. Ironically, bananas are also very good for vitamin D and boosting serotonin. So that happy monkey, Eddie Nani, that is really good for you. <laughs> and laughter. I cannot stress laughter enough. And the sooner you have a good belly laugh in the day, the better you feel. So I'm very much, I mean, on a Saturday on Facebook, I always post Marie's Comedy Coach. And I love the responses. You know, it's usually something crazy, but it's something to laugh about. And we need to do that more often, you know. And the final one is endorphin, and that is, some people call it the rock star hormone, and that is taking enough action to be satisfied. Uh, Some people get it from going for a run or going, you know, exercising. Some people get it from completing a project or an exam or you come in from mowing the lawns and it feels good that I've got that done. It's about building up that sense of worthiness, I matter and actually utilising it as much as possible. So hopefully there's some tips around that. But, you know, finding most people will have a little bit of everything, but you'll find there'll be one key chemical you rely on the most, and then it staggers down in that that chronological order. So work on that. Work on creating that list. And then on those days when you wake up and you think, oh, I feel funky, you know, nothing's going to please me, You've got that list sitting there and it might be something like go and buy yourself a nice coffee and sit in the sun and you're like, ah, I can do that today. I can do that right now. So there it is for you. Thank you for riffing that out on, on the, um, on the spot. For those of you um, that are new to my show and you might not know that I basically plan the last four questions. I always plan the first question. The rest of it is up in the air. We never know where we're going to go. Thank you, Marie, for that in-depth response. And for me, I've been doing personal development, personal discovery for whatever, 15 plus years, and I've never heard it described like that. Of course, I've heard of those chemicals, but I haven't heard of it that way. And I that was so fascinating. Definitely resonated for me. There's the last one, not so much. Um, it sounded like my husband and my daughter, but not me at all. But um, the rest of them, totally. Like I'm a, I'm a sun lover and I love the warm coffee and I love the hot bath and the hot weedy bag and um, that's just so interesting. So for our listeners out there, make... sorry, predominantly you're a dopamine-based person. Yeah. The other thing that I would suggest <laughs> is to um, get your shoes off and put your feet on the ground. You know, grounding is so, so important. Even in this cold weather, I know it's cold, but, you know, a little quick walk around your home with uh, outside with bare feet is such a good tonic. So add that in as well. I will. I'll add it in. I actually do that. Um, it's more like I'm going to go feed the guinea pigs. Okay, I'll intentionally take off my socks because I'm trying to ground. But that's probably I'm trying to do two things at the same time because I'm really just feeding the guinea pigs. So maybe if I just go out there and stand there, 
or yeah. sit there. Yeah, look up, find a bird, look at the sky, you know, just feel that wind. Something that sort of helps you carpe diem the moment. Carpe diem sees the day. We have gorgeous birds. I I live down this driveway and we have tuis in the trees. Like it's oh. it's amazing. And we have beautiful like sun, like north facing, awesome. So there's definitely multiple opportunities for me to um to be present and get grounded. And I love your guidance. And so for those listening, if you if you're up for it, some homework is to make some happy homework, is to make your happy list and make some notes about whether it's dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, or um, endorphin-based things that you're into. So the other thing on the flip side of that, like you, how, so there's so much stress in the world, right? People always experience stress. Stress is normal. I understand that. Sometimes it's higher than other times. What is your guidance for people or what are some tips you can give us today for my audience around managing kind of the daily stresses of life? Um, And maybe even when things are harder than usual, how can we help ourselves? Mm, good question. Absolutely. I think, the, as you mentioned, stress is normal within a limitation. Is it, if you imagine a bottle and we're filling it up and, you know, we can keep adding to it and adding to it and eventually it will overflow. So the, the key to managing your stress is to know where your limit sits. Some people can manage a great deal more than others. So again, uh, when I'm coaching with somebody, it's all about individualism and finding and building your own profile on what you can manage. So don't be um, fooled into believing that you have to be better than somebody else or lesser than somebody else. Be you. Be you and work with you in the best possible way. One of the things that uh, can be a big stress is it builds up an anxiety because we're so busy feeling bad about feeling bad that that actually creates a cyclical feeling so stress can be something we can name now if if we see I am stress what we're saying is it is part of you stress is a response it's not really part of you it's a symptom of an outer cause so especially when I'm working with clients with anxiety I'll ask them now tell me would you see if you think of something that really annoys you, uh, you know, tell me something that really annoys you. And, and as an example, I had a guy and he was like, well, actually, it was my ex-girlfriend, Amanda, you know, she, you know the real, you know, ratmatic person. And he, you know, I could see him, you know, he had a lot of frustration around this name. So I said to him, okay, we're going to call your anxiety Amanda. And I apologise to all the beautiful Amandas out there. Remember, <laughs> this is just just an example but once we could call Amanda as a separate entity to himself he could then say to me Amanda's arrived again today and I said what did you what did you do with that so we can tell Amanda go away go away Amanda you know I've got no time for you in my life I'm choosing some other pathway I choose not to be bothered by Amanda go away. And what is amazing about the brain is that it doesn't know the difference between fact or fiction. And that's a big one. It only knows what you feed it. So if you feed it fiction, it will believe you. If you tell it that a blue sky is purple, your brain will look for the purples in the blue. If you tell yourself you are anxious, 
your brain will conspire to provide you with anxiety chemicals mm. like adrenaline and cortisol. Like if you wake up in the morning and you say, oh, no, I'm so nervous, I'm, oh, this is going to be the worst day, and I'll go, oh, your brain will go, oh, what is it that you want to receive? Sure thing. And it will pile that onto you and it will exacerbate how you're feeling. Now, if you want to break that cycle, you can either name it and step it away from you or you can stop and step back from yourself. So we've got a little a little thing the size of a walnut at the front of our brain called the amygdala, and that spins in accordance with whatever we want. Chemicals-wise, we've talked about the ones that are really yummy and good for us, but, of course, we have cortisol and adrenaline and the ones that aren't good for us there as well. Now, if you've been stressing all day, you will notice that You'll come home, you'll be tired, you'll be heavy in the shoulders, you'll be just the littlest thing would be a trigger to set you off. So you're pretty up there, your level stress is at peaking high, what I call in the red zone, when you go to the red zone. So if you imagine a traffic light, when we see red, we know we've got to stop. So if we use the same analogy in our mind, when we go to the red space, either anger or severe anxiety or chronic unhappiness, just stop. Take a pause for just a moment and then choose an alternative. So go to orange and go to a response rather than a reaction. Because if we're red zoning and we're really angry and somebody annoys us, we instantly go off our head at them, oh, blah, blah, and then afterwards we're so sad about it or disappointed in ourselves. So why did I do that? So if we can stop, just take a moment and step back within our mind, take a breath, either name it, or just ask something else from our thoughts. So then we go to green and we do some work around that. And green we might now, the word is pummeling, and really what it is is just repetition. We've stopped and read. We've gone to orange, taken a pause, and then we're going to go to green with repetition or pummeling. Now, if you make a statement for one to three minutes, that's how long it takes for our brain to register through into our body, one to three minutes. When you practice it a lot of times, you get quicker, but initially it can take right up to three minutes. For me, I only have to do it a couple of times now, and I'm like, hey, hey, come on. <laughs> and so we pull ourselves back. And you say something like, I choose to be calm, or I am calm, or all is well, or just calm, cool, confident. I'm cool, calm, confident, or I feel still, I feel still, I am at peace, I am at peace. Remembering that you don't have to believe the statement, you just have to do it. Your brain will take that message that you've re repeated or pummeled for one to three minutes and it will replace the chemicals down from cortisol and adrenaline into something far, far more calming, such as prolactin or nice serotonin or a cheeky bit of dopamine. <laughs> it will literally change the chemical balance that your body's feeling and soothe its pathway down. Now, it's amazing. When you play with this and get good at it, it is such a game changer. It is so easy to do, and yet it 
it's not talked about enough because it is such a simple technique. And I think as a coach, what I did, even when I wrote my book, you know, The Mind Mechanic, Getting the Green Life on Life, what I wrote it out with was to be simple tools, easy to do. We don't want 21 steps to happiness. We fall <laughs> off pretty quickly. We want simple to use tools. So I think for me, that whole stop, reflect, respond is what I call it, or red, orange, green, light. Uh, I know, but that that even that term creates anxiety for me and some of my listeners. <laughs> After the last three, the traffic light, after the last three years, you get it. Um, But that's like stop, reflect, respond. Is that what you said? Stop, reflect, respond. Instead of being stressed out and just going into reactive mode, Mm -hmm. do and say things that you know you're going to regret later. Just stop for a moment, take a quick brief step back in your mind and then reflect on it and then respond. Even asking for a moment, you know, uh, taking, I'm, I'm not into, 50 shades of grey or any <laughs> any of that. However, pain can be a good stimulus. So if you think about um, using the metaphysics, you know, some people need um, a physical response. So you can hold a rubber band around your wrist while you're in training. And it usually takes 30 to 90 days to thumb a new tool into your mindset, especially from an emotional perspective. So you snap. And when you feel yourself go to red zone, snap the band to remind you to reflect and then respond, you know, so you can either do it that way as well. These are the, uh, what I'm sharing with you is quite broad. And so if I met with a client, my job is to learn their specific ways and mm. I would give them a specific way to do that. I think that's so great because as um, you know, I sometimes say like a lot of coaching and motivational advice is great, but a lot of it is quite general, right? And so Mm -hmm. if we can find the right specific tool or technique for the individual, um, and that's why obviously having a specific coach like, you know, like you or somebody else is helpful. Um, But I really love how you're highlighting the power of the words. And even if we don't believe them saying the words, like having that mantra, I choose to be calm or I'm at peace or whatever it might be can totally shift your body uh, physiology, I suppose. Um, so tell me a little bit more about your, so you've got a book called The Mind Mechanic? Uh, yes, that one was, uh, I, I actually, a lady again on LinkedIn uh, found me and she was New York based and she was part of the Professional Women's Network and it's a global network of women who have uh, worked in the mind health industry Um, and she basically offered me a chance to publish my book and print it uh, for me, and which was a real honour. And initially she approached me to be part of a um, compilation of, it was 22 women from 22 countries, um, and little old New Zealand myself got chapter 22, I believe. (laughs) Oh, I love that. And I actually did what was what they call the letting go. Or my chapter was around healing. Um, and from that, she liked it and then offered me a chance to do um, a second book, The Mind Mechanic. And then re- more recently, I um, wrote one indiv- independently called Mind Fit Farmer for the rural folk out there as well. Yeah. How amazing. Okay. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your book. And then I'm going to ask you my four questions that I ask every guest. So um, let's talk about 
Well, I just mentioned before the importance of having a coach. So like, this is interesting, isn't it? Because I hear so many people saying, oh, you got to have a coach. You got to have a coach, especially in the business world, which I'm in. And we do a lot of personal discovery. We do a lot of reflection and facilitated um, coaching. But I know the average person might not do that. So, you know, kind of how does someone find the right coach for them? It can be overwhelming. It sure can. And we don't have the time, you know, like we know as people, if we're going to buy perhaps a pair of jeans as an example, you don't just shoot to the dairy and and grab a pair. (laughs) You you want to know the the style, the shape, the cost, the colour, et cetera. And so uh, Life for You has been putting together a team um, over the last, or I've been doing, building the team. I've been in business 15 years, but building this team up over the last 18 months, two years. And so what I have now is a, this wonderful affiliation with other coaches. So I have a business coach. I have a coach who works around um, menopause, which is a huge part of everyday life for people. Another coach who works around health and wellness another one like myself who works around personal development and a lovely coach working around our law of attraction and Bob Proctor type work, paradigm shift work. And I'm still extending that group because to me um, as a personal development coach, I, I am not good at every aspect mm. of our life and nor do I claim to be. My specialty is purely what I do. Um, but what, People come to the Life for You site and then from there they can have a consultation with me and find out and from that I determine where they can go. I will say based on what you've said, I think you need to go and visit the lovely Karen or go and visit, you know, Chris or whomever it is. And it's working really well because it takes that scratching of head away for people. Oh, so you're like a matchmaker of sorts. Yeah, well, I see it as a sort of like a coordinator. Yeah, yeah, it is almost matchmaking, though. I mean, you know, and because I've been in business so long, um, Life View has its own credibility. So people seem to trust in that quite nicely. I love that. You know, because my my business is called Go-To Girl Limited. And I called it that because, you know, 11 years ago, I am a matchmaker. People would say, Nat, do you know someone who dot, 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 you know, whatever. And I'd be like, yep, let me hook you up. Let me connect you. Um, and, and that, you know, it's kind of where I started around the networking space, but I, so I love that you do that. You can hear what's going on for someone, where do they want to go? What's the barriers in the way? And then, and then connect them with the right person. That's super cool. All right, let's go to the question. So, um, Marie, what is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Well, I think doing the Toastmasters course because it being I'm, I'm in what I call an off-duty introvert. So when I'm, I'm at home, I still go back to my little introvert self. And the thought of standing in front of people because I wound up sort of doing a bit of motivational work and facilitating pro, you know programs and things. I had to I had to brave up and stand up, and I was like, oh, you know me, I couldn't possibly. And I needed to learn the tools to do that. And so I'm I'm hugely appreciative of Toastmasters set in New Zealand wide. So, do you, so you're doing a little shout out to them, but where are you geographically? Which Toastmasters is it? Uh, I went to the Master in Toastmasters um, at the time to do my training for that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Okay. So what is one thing on your bucket list, meaning something that you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with? I would love to stroke an elephant. <laughs> That's on the bucket list. But actually what I'm doing at the moment, I've got a project of, of coming up and um, 
there, there are approximately 40 hospitals in New Zealand, public hospitals these are, and if you've ever been in, in a public hospital, you would understand that they are busy, stretch for time. So I have approached Masterton Hospital, my own hospital, and I've put together a group of businesses and we are going in to refurbish a room from it's the original colours are rather dowdy and the look mm. is rather dowdy and disheartening. And for people who go into a private a, a room off the main ward to either pass over or are very unwell, to me the space needed to be a lot better. So this group we are going and I'm forming it together and it's taken a lot of red tape to get permission to do it. And I've only got a 48-hour window to choreograph us all. Okay. Um, but the room will be painted. There's beautiful blinds being built. There's an um, ear diffuser, um, music, a television, lazy boys, etc., are being donated from the community. So I'm so proud of the community for doing it. Um, but what I want to do from that is to create uh, life bags, what I call life bags or life packs, and now I want to distribute those throughout New Zealand for people that have family in the hospital unwell and, and they've wound up staying unexpectedly. Um, and, you know, little things like, you know, there's nowhere to wash your face or, you know, and it'll be just little face wipes and a bottle of water and things like that in these packs to help people through that incredibly emotional time when someone you love dearly is suffering, it's, it's, yeah, I hope it will help. Yeah. What a cool project. So if we can help with that in terms of the bucket list, um, if anyone in the audience, yes, has something they'd love to add to the life bags, maybe you can reach out to Marie. And that is so cool about bringing together these local businesses to make the room because physical environment is so crucial and it really does affect how we feel, the emotions and the level of stress you know that we experience so that's amazing how can people connect with you um, if they do want to help with the bucket list or they want to get your book or your coaching uh sure they can um contact me through um marie at lifeforyou.co.nz uh or, or just facebook me um there's the life for you page or the marie McManaway page marie spelt with the old two e's and life for you is spelt with the letters L Y E. The digit four letter u dot co dot nz. Okay, awesome. So, what does life for you come from? Is that the well, name of your business? It seems so good at the time. It was back when generic texting was very in vogue. Mm -hmm. But um, basically, life for you, the letters stand for liberate yourself. And I do have an online program called um, the Liberation Program, which is um, going very well and currently got a great special on it if anybody's looking to do a six-week course at their own pace. Um, so that's that's called Liberate. Then the second letter, Y, is for Yield, because we need to yield down. We need to actually harvest what we set in place and then to flourish from that. And I love seeing my clients. After about session five, there's nothing better than seeing that light come back on in your eyes and, and they're like, I got it. I've got it, you know, and it's the best feeling in the world. And that's why I do what I do. I love helping people to create better lives. And I think because I know what it is to not have a better life mm. from past and I can empathise, but I can build. That is me, I, you know, the life designer. I think if I hadn't have been building lives, I would have been building houses. <laughs> but building someone else's life is what gives me the greatest pleasure. 
I can tell that you love it. And it just from looking at you on the video, and I'm so glad that our, our paths cross, you know, I think you and I connected on LinkedIn and this is the first time we've met today. It's so cool to hear your backstory and to hear about your business. And you obviously love what you're doing. So I'll spell it out for everyone. So dub, dub, dub L Y F four numerical four u.co.nz. So what else is coming up for you, Marie, in the next six months, either personally or with business? Well, uh, the project at the hospital is happening. That's that's coming up. Um, and then also I'm, I'm trying to take a break, which I haven't done for a while, uh, and continuing to expand the team. And that is about putting out there. So you, if you are a coach that you think, if you've listened to this and you think you have a similar ethos as, as life for you does, um, I'm certainly opening um, myself to wonderful other coaches out there doing great things because I think the bigger we can the more we can create a net for people to lean in the better we can go we don't have to uh, walk through life alone and life is difficult enough so the more we lean and support one another uh, the better we do you know it's all about choices and, and you know if somebody breaks a leg it can be a difficult experience and I didn't like the nurse and it hurt and or another person can break your leg and go, the hospital was great. I learned guitar while I was on leave and recovering. You know, we, we make a choice. Every day we wake up, we make a choice. And, you know, not that long ago, somebody said to me, can you get tired of always being positive or trying to be happy? You know, <laughs> I said, thank you. Don't you get tired of always being cynical and down? You know, what is my choice here? I know which one works better and I know which one I prefer. So even though we might have days where we have what I call a funk day and have a day off, a PJ day where you just go, you know what, I'm not bothering, come back to yourself and come back to yourself with love and joy and celebration. You're in this world and that is a privilege. There are so many people who don't get that, you know build on that. Just start right there. What a beautiful way to wrap it up. I was going to ask you, and I still will, um, is there anything else you want to add before we say goodbye? I would like to say thank you for the opportunity. And and please, if you can, join me on Facebook or um, Instagram. It's just Marie underscore life for you. In, or you have any other questions, you know, feel free to connect with me. We are all in this together, as I mentioned. And yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity for having this experience. It's been so much fun. So good to chat with you today, everyone. That was Marie McManaway, and we were talking about getting the green light on your life. Thanks, Marie. Thank you very much. Thank you. I had so much fun talking to Marie McManaway today. Um, it was amazing because we we met just through LinkedIn, just kind of by chance. And as you probably know, most of the people I interview are people that I personally know. Most of them, a lot of them I've known for a long time. Um, but now and then people get referred to me or suggested or, or somebody just crosses my path. And that was Marie today. And I'm so excited. And I always learn something new, which is why I love hosting this show. She talked about dopamine-based versus chemical-based versus oxytocin-based um, de-stressing de techniques. So interesting or serotonin. So fascinating. She, you know, what an amazing woman being a once were warrior survivor, as she calls it, and now turning things around to help others 
It's it's so inspirational and also the information that she shared. And then we chatted afterwards. We have so much synergy because we both love connecting people. We're both matchmakers in a way. Um, so I'm going to definitely follow up with her and see how we can kind of, you know, c- collaborate or work together in business as well. She's doing so many amazing things to help people. And um, but she encouraged us today to write your happy list. And do it, of course, when you're in a good frame of mind. Don't do it when you're strung out or stressed. And that can really be an amazing thing to come back to and to keep you moving forward in the right state of mind. And a a mantra or a phrase to have kind of in your back pocket as such, like I choose to be calm or I'm at peace, telling yourself that you are rather than letting the thoughts go out of control. So much wisdom today from Marie. Um, and yeah, you can get in touch with her. She does so many incredible things. Like you can reach out to her on LinkedIn, of course, um, and learn more about her personal development coaching, either with her or one of the many, many facilitators that she has. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio. I'm so thrilled to share a little bit of a flashback now with you. Uh, we've, If you're just joining us, we've had three amazing guests on today. We had Karen Tui Boys talking about how the school system is broken and how to fix it. We had Jonathan Callanan talking about decentralized wealth and sovereignty. And most recently, Marie McManaway on getting the green light on your life. If you missed those, you can check them out on the replay. Um, what's coming up for you next, though, is something I do most weeks. I do a little bit of a flashback to one of our previous episodes. And this one here is Sonia Cortis. She is a coach and she's based down in Christchurch. Um, But of course she works online and all over the place. She's in fact, one of the women I've got featured on my recommended for you page, upyourbrave.com slash recommended. She's so amazing. And in this little segment here, she's gonna share some thoughts, self-inquiry and asking empowering questions. Here it is. I'm gonna accept myself. I'm gonna accept myself right here, right now, when we do that and we let it go, we go, it's okay to speak my truth because I have no impact on how they're going to react to what I say anyway. You, have, you can't control what another person says to you ever. You have no power over that. Their triggers are their triggers. Your triggers are yours. And we can just control how we respond, yes? Exactly. But then so many of us can't control how we respond because we aren't doing deeper healing work to work out why we respond the way we do. Mm. People are not good at self-inquiry. They're not, we haven't been taught. I'm going to say they're not good. We've just never been taught how to ask ourselves more empowering questions to say, okay, what did I make that mean when they said that to me? Is that really true? Is, is that reaction? Is that really my truth? Do I have to react this way? What could I do instead? People don't have the ability to do that because we've never been taught. I agree. And so if people do want, if they're open to that, and I think now more than ever, people are interested in self-reflection more than ever before. Mm. Um, And so if people are getting curious about that, what are some key questions they can ask? Because I think there's a difference between reflection and inquiry and curiosity versus like going in circles and just going nowhere, you know, just trying to, we talk about peeling back the onion but you actually want to then move on and apply that mm, knowledge. Mm. So what are just yeah, one or two questions that people can use? Yeah. So the ones I always give my clients, which have been profoundly life-changing for them are when they're feeling triggered, there's always just take and stop, stop and take a breath. 
And then if they get a chance later on, ask themselves this question, what did I make it mean about myself in that moment? What did I make it mean when they said or did that? Or what's the story I'm telling myself because of what how they reacted? And underneath that's usually things like, I'm not good enough. I'm a bad person. I've hurt them. I let them down. I'm not lovable. I'm abandoned. And then, so you say, what did I make it mean in that moment? What's the story I'm telling myself? And then you say, is that the truth? Or would that really have been their intention? Or do I have to believe that? What could I choose to believe instead? And I love it. And you're kind of flipping it. Yeah. As soon as we ask questions, we get answers. The brain, the ego Mm. is, well, the role of the ego is to solve problems. If there's no problem to solve, the ego will find a problem. So if we give it questions proactively, then it's always on the hunt for the answers that are more productive and more empowering for us. And so it's like we're training the brain and I, I am one of those annoying people where someone will say something and now automatically, and I have to admit, and you know, you'll know what I'm about to say, I'm a projector. So there's no point in me offering advice. I have to ask questions, right? So if you go straight into a question with someone going, oh, what's going on for you right now? And you just explain to me what this is bringing up for you, then oh, they're forcing their brains to stop and think. Mm. And it's discharging the, the, the trigger and it's making people have to really reflect and think about, you know, what am I doing here that I wasn't even aware I was doing? Because most of the time people don't even know that they're reacting the way they do. It's just so automatic. You know, you mentioned something about projector. So I wanted to chime in there. So, um, so some of my audience knows this and some of them don't, but I love human design. Mm. It's something that I discovered six years ago and recently started coaching people in it. And um, you, because we were talking earlier about there's so much in society right now, so much anger and frustration and bitterness and resentment. And the interesting thing is, right, 70% of the population is either what I am, generator, manifesting generator or manifester. And when we are living out of alignment, meaning we're not speaking our truth or we're not living in a way that is ideal for us to to be the greatest version of ourselves, it does present as frustration and anger. And that's a lot of people when you do the math, that's 70%, especially right now. So no wonder there's so much high emotion Mm. going on. But then of course the projectors, which make up about 17% of the population, when they're out of alignment, it presents as bitterness and resentment, which are slightly different emotions than anger and frustration. So, and there's a, there's a bit of that about at the moment. So the Mm. next question I've got for you, and I know this is something that you, um, that you're really passionate about as well, which is what if someone wants to change their mind? You know, maybe they behaved in a certain way or had a very strong opinion on something, you know, in the news or whatever, and they actually want to revisit and possibly revise their opinion because maybe they were, you know, how do they move from that kind of anger and bitterness and resentment towards, I don't know, you know, friendship or feeling of peaceful? Mm-hmm. How do they, how do they move? Because it obviously takes courage to do so. Well, this is the big piece here. And it is about forgiveness, self-forgiveness, and actually forgiveness of those who have lied to them and told them things that weren't true. And because, again, they will stay in anger if they don't do that. But the part that's so important is be okay with change. Be okay with knowing that if you're not changing your mind and you're not evolving through when more information gets given to you and more truths come out and more realities are really obvious, 
be okay with going, actually, this is the courage piece, right? I actually got it wrong. I got it wrong. But the problem, a big piece of this is people's nervous systems aren't on board. Everyone's in such a heightened state of fight or flight that if the nervous system, because of the little girl or little boy inside of them that was raised to never make mistakes and don't get it wrong and do as mummy and daddy said and teachers teach you route learning and that, 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 make mistakes, then when you have to pop your head up and go, oh, oh, I've got it wrong here. Just stop and go, okay, does that make me a bad person? No. But, and this is the key question. Okay, what if I just continue to deny the reality of the truth here? Because here's the thing. People can deny the truth, but you can't deny the reality of the truth. And so if you go, actually, the reality of the truth is really obvious like right now. Hello. Gosh, how many people don't know I've had heart attacks and strokes right now? Let's put some pieces of the puzzle together. You know, you, you can go, actually, I am really angry. But I'm going to use that anger in a positive way to go, hey, everyone, we're being lied to here. Can't you see it? And, and step into that person who's the, the character in the emperor's new clothes that says, ah, oh, because when you come with that place of courage and you come with that place of authenticity, because it's a different frequency of emotions, more people will go, oh, look, on a macro level, they're, they're changing their mind mm-hmm. and they're changing their mind too. Oh, and here's the tipping point. I think it's okay for me to change my mind as well. And then all of a sudden, more people start going, yeah, now something's not adding up here. Oh, this is really, you've just got to step into, you've got to basically face the fear. You've got to just go, hang on a minute. And all it takes is one person at a dinner party to go, oh, come on now, please. Don't you think things aren't adding up? Yeah. Question, you see, do you think things are making sense here? Question. What do you think about everything? And you ask it from that place of non-emotion. It's just this inquiry question. Like, where are you at with everything? Like, that's how I go into it now, you know, with friends of mine who went down the path of must do it, must do as we're told, get the jab, blah, blah, blah. And I go, so where are you at with it now? And because I'm not going, ha, I told you so, yeah, right, well, you didn't listen to me and shaming them. Yes. Because that's not going to help them where are you at with it? And you go, yeah, I know. And I, you know, I, I get it. It must be really frustrating. You must be you're angry as you should be. And that's okay. It's and, and that empathy point, because that empathy, a lot of people have deep shame about what they've done. Mm-hmm. And so if we come in with empathy and that's the courage factor, then people just go, oh, okay, I'm supported yeah. here. Love Sonia's style and all of her tips. And just her vibe, her vibe. If I would definitely recommend following her on Facebook, I'm friends with her on Facebook and she posts a lot of stuff, I think publicly as well, just super motivational, really relevant stuff, which I'm loving. Um, next up, next up for you, I have a little sneak peek, which is an audio clip from an upcoming interview that I recorded with Jack Henderson just this week, hot off the press. Um, and he is someone that got recommended to me. And it was awesome to talk to him. It was one of those days where I think I had a kid homesick and I had just come in from my daughter's duathlon and my computer wasn't charged. Like (laughs) it was a bit hectic. And I was like, Hey, I just need five minutes to charge my computer. Um, But anyway, we got on, we got on the, the interview and it was awesome. And he had this sweet setup, like, Oh my goodness. He has this incredible podcast studio and all these screens and the big microphone. And he's this young guy, he's 20 years old and he's so wise and mature and beyond his years. And probably young people hate when we say that, but 
He really is. He was awesome. He was obviously an easy guy to interview because he's a podcaster. So he just knows how to talk. And, and he had so many good insights and reflections. And so in this little segment that I've chosen, um, and I definitely recommend you, you listen to the whole thing. It's either coming out next week or the week after. Uh, but in this segment, I'm actually asking him, what do you wish us women knew about men? Because if we want to help to empower the men in our lives, and here's what he had to say. What about to the woman out there? I would love to know, you know, for, you know, what do you wish that us women, you know, either the moms, which is me, you know, or the girlfriends or the wives or whatever, what do you wish we knew and, and how can we better empower the men in our life? It's a huge question, but take it where you want it. <laughs> we're not mad at you. We're not frustrated with you. We're not angry with you. Nine times out of 10, we're beating, beating ourselves up in our heads. We might, you, you may feel like we're disconnected or we're not there or, you know, we've lost interest in you or fallen out of love. That's not the case. It's generations and hundreds of years of us feeling excluded from society when it comes to expressing how we feel, being open with how we are. So please, I'm not going to say be patient, but think of it from a different perspective. We're not disconnecting from you when we're, we haven't fallen out of love. We are just in the dark corner in the back of our heads beating ourselves up for sometimes the littlest things or comparing ourselves to a, a guy who doesn't have the flaws that we have. It's, it's things like that. And I've, I've heard a lot saying it's quite petty for a guy to do that, but it's truly the case. I, I've done it. I'm a really bad overthinker. I know some of my good mates are the same. Um, I've, I've spoken to their partners and and I know that from their perspective that they felt like they're disconnected and that they don't love them anymore. And that is not the case. It's we're, we're just, we're, we're battling silent battles in our head that we feel there's no reason or beneficial use to expressing them and bringing them on to you. So that's, that's what I feel should be said. Yeah. What a honest and transparent response. And I think that's awesome. I think, yeah, a lot of men are really hard on themselves and it's hard in society, right? Because men, especially now it's like, wait a minute. Okay. So I can't be too masculine, but women also want to feel protected and taken care of, yeah. but wait a minute, you want me to be emotional, but if I'm too emotional, like, because I need to be more masculine, like it's confusing for guys. hundred percent. And it's, it's finding the, the, the balance, you know, it's, and that's why you end up having a lot of men who cry by themselves. You know, cry by themselves and and take their lives because it's that exact reason they men are meant to be blokes and 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 farmers and rugby players, especially in New Zealand, that we're meant to be manly manly men. But we where's where's the where's the balance in that? Where can we be a manly man, but also express when we're struggling, when we're not waking up and feeling like a like a tough bloke, when we want to cry and you know, maybe have a night in and a movie night and just be there with our partners and, and or with our dogs or kids or just be there with the ones that we love, but we don't want to come across like we're weak or that, like you said, we don't want our partners to feel not safe or protected. Where is the, where is the balance? Where's the fine ground? And that's the biggest thing for my generation. Like I said, my dad's generation, his dad, that's the biggest struggle is how can we be a manly man, but also protect ourselves and make sure that we aren't in that dark corner, like I mentioned, in our minds, mm. battling the silent battles. 
it's it's really hard, especially in this day and age with social media and all and all that kind of stuff. It's really hard to find that uh that that balance because we're told we're told one thing and and then we're pulled the other way and told another thing and it's and you know your all your limbs are stretched out because you, and you don't know where to go. You're stuck in the middle. I agree. And I think that says it all. How can they be a manly man? So like, let's dive into that. Let's yeah. see if we can come on the spot here. Let's see if we can come up with some, not really tips is the wrong word, but what, you know, some guidance around how can they be, what are some things that they can then can do or, or think or, or not do to be able to give themselves permission to have that balance again is quite a buzzword, but you know what I mean? The balance of being a manly man who can also be honest and open with his emotions without appearing weak. What a cool guy, right? So much insight and so much humility. And I love that he just started this podcast because his friends, you know, back in high school, when he started it in year 13, when the lockdown started, people just, you know, he was just finding himself giving advice to people or people struggling with things and he would be there to support them. And he wanted to help more people. So he amplified his impact by doing something he loved and something he was good at, which was, you know, podcasting. And what a what an awesome thing. So much great advice in there. And definitely it's a great episode for any young people in your life to listen to as well. You can find him, Jack Henderson, from Hendo's Hot Topics podcast. And by the way, heads up, when I asked him the bucket list question, which I ask all my guests, you know, and I say, what is one thing that you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that my community can possibly help you with? And he said, you know, he really wants to to be, get the top 10 in the podcast because when you get into the top 10, you can really start helping people and spreading the, the, the word far and wide. So I said, hey, maybe we can all go and follow his podcast on Spotify or Apple, Hendo's Hot Topics podcast. Go and subscribe if you feel inclined. And if you can just share that with one friend in your life and ask them to do the same thing, just share it with one friend in their life. And so it goes and so it goes. I'm sure we can help him get in the top 10. And then collectively, we can help other people also have empowered lives as well. And that's what we really focused on this week. Thank you so much for joining me on another show. Every week, we've got something awesome coming up for you, something motivational, inspirational, um, and thought-provoking. That's my plan. And we love getting feedback. So definitely keep the feedback coming, music suggestions, guest suggestions, but also what, what resonates for you? What is landing? What questions do you have? And what is really being helpful for you? It helps us to know. <laughs> so definitely get in touch. Um, you can find out more about me on upyourbrave.com. It's actually a website I've had for probably five or six years. Um, I do human design consulting. I also am a business coach. Uh, I've got my recommended page on there of amazing people that can help you to up your brave. And of course, I also have my coaching club. So check that out. I'm so thrilled to have you here with us. And if you just can go ahead and share one replay, even one replay from one of our shows with a friend in your life who maybe just needs to hear it, we can really have an incredible impact. So we're coming up to July, as you know, um, the episode a few weeks back where we talked to uh, Marie McLean about um, her book, the, the No BS Guide to Getting Sober. So if you've got anyone in your life that is trying to get sober, that is a great gift. You can check that out, mariemclean.com. It's M-A-R-E-E, mclean.com. I hope that helps. And I hope you have an incredible weekend. If you're listening to this on the weekend, or maybe you're catching the replay, have an incredible day and remember to up your brave. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR, Reality Check Radio.